I just thought, you know, you just got to do it incrementally. And that, that was the attitude I took. And I look at that, at that wall behind you and I think that was it. That was me. That was me. I, I was putting one brick in a wall a day, one a day. Just keep putting it in there and pretty soon you'll get it built. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Basketball Strong Podcast. I'm Tim DeFrancesco, former LA Lakers strength and conditioning coach and doctor of physical therapy, and I'm here with my co-host, Emmy-nominated writer and author, Phil White. This podcast is not just for basketball junkies. It's for anyone who loves to hear the human stories behind great people while learning the science behind preparing your body for the court and high performance. Today's guest is the one and only former UVM men's basketball coach, Tom Brennan. Coach Brennan built up the UVM men's basketball team from obscurity and slowly but surely turned them into a regular and feared opponent in the NCAA tournament. But his basketball journey started well before he ever got to UVM. In this episode, Coach shares story after story about his legendary career. They don't make him like Coach Brennan anymore. So sit back, relax, and let's get into the conversation. Coach, how's a Jersey kid growing up in the 50s end up playing at the University of Georgia? Well, actually, Tim, it was a uh, it was kind of a, a very lucky break for me. Um, I was from a little town in New Jersey called Phillipsburg, and uh, I ended up being asked to play in the uh, in some high school all-star game. And at that point, I really didn't, I wasn't being recruited. I didn't know really that much about it. And uh, there were a lot of people at that game and I happened to have a pretty good game. So uh, some uh, visits came in from there. So uh, I went to Georgia. I was asked to visit Georgia. Uh, it was the first time I was ever on a plane. And, uh, and again, that, that's like 67 or 66, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I, um, I go down there. They have this massive beautiful brand new arena which they still have today it's been worked on a couple times but when i got there it was already there looked like it had been dropped in from mars uh the campus was beautiful you know what's funny too tim is that i loved i loved college football i came from a big football area now we had lafayette lehigh and area. they weren't much to write home about Rutgers right no no good at all but but uh but college football was college football and um and we had a guy from our uh, the next town over that had gone to Georgia, and he raved about it. And so anyway, so I get down there. I'll never forget it. And the guy, um, the guy takes me to the Georgia Continu- uh, Center for Continuing Arts, and that was a hotel right on campus, and it was right near the right near the the, the arena. So uh, I'll never forget it. He said to me, um, uh, I, I walk in there, and and he said, uh, uh, Listen, uh, I'm going to come back in an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Said, I just want you to get some rest, and and if you want anything, just call downstairs, and they'll bring it up for you. So I thought, what? Okay. I said, nah, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I don't want anything. Honestly, God, Tim, that door didn't close. It didn't close, and I was on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take the cheeseburger chocolate milkshake. <laughs> bring it in. Bring it oh, in. Oh, man. So it was so neat, and I loved it, and, uh, and it was you know, it was just like a perfect recruiting weekend. You couldn't have had it any better. Oh, uh, you were going good. You were going it. good. That's it. And it was going to, you know, it was really when I came home, it was pretty much it. Now I visited, I visited a couple other places. I visited NC state and um, Miami and St. John's, but, um, but I kind of knew, I, I just kind of knew that, that it was the right place for me because again, uh, we had gotten the coach and I was there a couple of years before I got there, but he had been an assistant at North Carolina and his name was Roseman. And um, he was on the 57 championship team that beat Will. 
Uh, he was a member wow. of that team. So, and then Frank McGuire, who was the coach, I know you're not old enough to understand any of this, but Frank McGuire. Wow. I know, I know McGuire is a big deal. He was Eddie a very big deal. And he went to South Carolina from North Carolina, which was, uh, you know, unbelievable. And then uh, Dean Smith got the job at North Carolina and my guy got the job at Georgia. So we felt that, you know, we were on the come, that we were going to be yeah. really good. And and then the guy was sharp. He was really, you know, he was a really a cool guy. And uh, and so uh, so I signed up and uh, and I had a good experience. I did. I had a good experience. We didn't win. We didn't win as much as uh, I thought we would. We won some. But back then, they, you know, they didn't get four teams from a league. They didn't get two teams in the yeah, LT, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, it wasn't as, as uh, uh, promising as I thought it would be, but, but I still loved it. I love the experience. I love going there. I love the people. Uh, it was just a, a very, very good time in my life. Hey, plus free burgers and milkshakes. I mean, come on. Who's who's going to turn it down, right? Yeah, yeah only I mean, when I was recruited, though. They yeah, didn't pay me when I went there. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, then it man. was a case of take whatever you want. That'll be $12. Oh, man. Yeah, right. So, 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 so this, I yeah. will say this as a, just on a point aside. We stayed in a joint called McWhorter Hall, and it was beautiful. It was like a, it was like a, a, a like a first class, not a, not a five star hotel, but it was a, you know, back then we had our own room, we had our own showers, we had our own. Wow. Floor. I mean, in college in the sixties, that didn't that didn't happen, you know. And we also had the opportunity to have steak three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday, oh, Saturday. Man, <laughs> I mean, so, of course, the uh, the football players were probably getting it seven days a week, but at least you got it three, right? I was just going to say the downside of it was we had to live with a football player. <laughs> and I met a lot of great guys there too, man. Jake yeah. Scott was a great guy playing with the Dolphins. And uh, oh man, we had some time. So oh, I, that's I, that, it was a great experience. That's incredible. So it, when does it hit you at, at during the final parts of your playing days or after your playing days? When does the coaching bug strike? Well, I think maybe taking charters to Kentucky or how about this? How about this? My boy was so, this guy Roseman was so intent on making us a basketball school. You know And I'm saying? I'm only 18 years old, 19 years old. I'm saying, come on, man, this is Georgia. This is Georgia. It's going to be a basketball school. It can be a basketball school from January to March. Yeah. Let's not talk about a basketball school. And I remember one day we played Nebraska in the uh, Sun Bowl. And uh, the Sun Bowl was like, like, bleh, for Georgia. God, Sun Bowl. We always <laughs> go to joke. Sun Bowl, right? <laughs> so Seriously. Our, our boy uh, had a practice that day, that time. Like, the Sun Bowl was on 12 o'clock. It was from El Paso. I'll never forget that. And uh, and so it was on at 12 o'clock, and he, he had practice at, like, 1230. And uh, uh, just to let us know, we don't care about football. We're, you know, we're trying to do our thing. And and so so he went about that, I think in the wrong way, rather than go into the guy and say, Vince Stooley and say, how can you help me? You know, can you help me? You know, yeah. he, he just was like, Hey, we're taking over. We're taking over. Which they did in North Carolina. Of course, that's how it worked there, but it wasn't going to work that way at Georgia. But anyway, uh, for the, then by, by the second year, I met, Oh, so my point was being the second year we uh, took a, a plane to Georgia tech. I mean, think about that for a second. It took us longer to get from the dorm to the airport and from the airport to the arena <laughs> than the flight did. I mean, it was crazy. Right. We, we got our ass kicked. It was just no good. And, and, now, and it's like it's so embarrassing because you just lost by 15 and now you got to go. <laughs> 
You gotta go. It's like taking a taxi. We had to go for right, <laughs> right. Forty minute plane ride, and oh, it was just a mess. It was a mess. But the whole idea was we were going to be big time, and um, and you know, and we got close. I'm going to say we did get close, but we we never got to where he thought it would go for sure. But as it pertained to me, yeah. um, when I like by the time I'm a junior, I'm saying to myself, Tim. What a hell of a way to make a living this is. Huh? If I can do that, I mean, it ain't working. I don't know what it's called, but it certainly ain't working. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we're on chartered flights, and uh, this, this is so I told wow. me, if, if this is how it ends up, I'm I'm all for it, you know. So uh, so fortunately, and again, I was not that good a player, and uh, uh, I mean, I was a good player for me, but I was not a good enough player for Georgia to do what they wanted to do. <laughs> and uh, but at that point, I thought uh, I would like to do this. I think I'd. I'd think I really would like to do this. I'd like to coach baseball or basketball. And, um, uh, and it looks like a nice lifestyle. And it, you know, I mean, I obviously it's precarious because, you know, guys get fired every 10 minutes, but yeah. that being said, you know, you're not afraid to take a chance. You know, if you get popped, you get popped, not the end of the world. So uh, he, thank God for him and that he kept me on as a graduate assistant, my fifth year. And, um, and then uh I had a guy named Hugh Donahue who played for him at uh, at North Carolina and was our assistant at Georgia. And Donahue was going up to this tournament in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is a hell of a ride from Athens, probably 15, 18 hours, right? So he said to me, uh, look, you're going to be on the staff with us next year. You want to take a ride? I said, sure, I'd love to take a ride. So we went to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, did what we had to do, ended up in a bar, get the hell out, in, uh, in Harrisburg. <laughs> And I uh, sauntered up next to the great Billy Raftery, and he said, oh, we started talking. And uh, so I told him, I said, I'm just finishing up my my degree uh, in uh, Georgia. My, I mean, my fifth year, and I need a job. I don't have another year I can be graduate assistant. So, so he said, um, all right, all right. So he talked to me for about 15 minutes, and he said, uh, uh, he said, I'll tell you what, I want you to get on a plane and um, go to Detroit and see this kid named Tom Lagarde who ended up going to North Carolina. So I said, um, and this is so typically Billy, if you know him, even in the least, I said, I said, uh, Raph, I said, uh, I, I, I never even been to Seton Hall. I don't know where, I, what do you want me to tell? He said, get a book for Christ's sake. <laughs> so, so I'm on this plane to Detroit. I don't even really know where I'm going. I got a book about <laughs> but it turned out to be the best the best and, and the, my greatest rap story ever i don't even know if i can say it here but i will try and you can you can decide whether you want to keep it or not oh let's but, go uh so we were uh i had to teach i had a job all set at at seton hall right and i was living in verona right outside of seton hall and um and they had a job for me on campus well as it turns out, the guy who was going to hire me got caught stealing or something. I don't know. I And so now the, the job went out the window. So I had to go to Newark. And this was like 72, 73. Newark was hopping. I mean, it was just after the riots. Uh, you know, the, the, the Imperiali, whatever his name is, became mayor. And it, it was just a tough, tough time. And anyway, I got to teach at a uh, school called Arts High School down uh, in Newark, right in the middle of Newark, high in High Street, and I forget the other one. But anyway, so and it was it was a bear. Uh, I mean, you got to have your head on a swivel. I'm guessing. Amen. Amen. Unfortunately, <laughs> we had good students. I, I didn't have a lot of thugs or a lot of. And you know what else helped me, Tim, is that I could play. 
I could play. So, uh, you know, Got I could play against high school guys, right? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> right. I go, go out there at noon and say, ah, you guys going to play a little bit? All right, yeah, let me jump in here. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show so, you. Yeah, there you go. So, so anyway, and I remember one time there was a, there was a, a like a, a big wall behind, beside our school and, uh, and, uh, and a cop had somebody by the neck and, uh, and the guy said, I know my rights. I know my rights. And the cop whacked him in the head and said, you know, your problem is you watch too many movies. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that, this, this is where you roll, TV. This is who you are now. So right, anyway, right. I go to, you know, and by the time I'd get there, Timmy, he wouldn't even, oftentimes he'd be gone because I, I couldn't get there till 3.30, right? <laughs> he had an assistant called Hadi Mahan, one of the best guys I've ever met in my life. And Hadi and I were together. And, um, so, uh, and Raph was Raph, is Raph. It was the same guy then that he is now, right? So, right. so anyway, <laughs> so he says, um, uh, so I said, so, you know, I, I'm scared to death of him, as you might expect. And and so I, I'd like pop my head in there and say, uh, Billy, we're going to, we're going to sit down. We're going to, we're going to talk about anything or, you know, what you want me to do or, you know, anything. He said, nah, Tommy, don't worry. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We are going to sit down. Now, okay, fine. You know, just shut up and mind your own business. And so I'd come back every day. Half the time he wouldn't be there. Half the time he would. And when he was there, it was so entertaining. You couldn't leave the room, you know, it was, <laughs> it was so beautiful. <laughs> So anyway, we get up to October 15th, right? That back, that's what it was back in the day. So October 15th comes and goes, not comes and goes, comes along. And uh, I'm in there. I'm nervous. This is, you know, really, I've been in Georgia, but this is my first day at a at another school, you know, and, and I'm, I'm with a guy who intimidates the hell out of me and nice to me, not not a mean guy at all, but just so overwhelming, you know? And so, uh, so now we're, so now we're walking out to practice. And I'm still scared to death of him. And I said, Ralph, what did, you know, tell me what you want me to do. And I, I didn't want to be a pain in the neck. You know, what do you want me to do? Just stay with me, Tommy. Stay with me, Tommy. Don't worry. We got it. We got it. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the practice starts and we do practice stuff. And uh, and then the next thing you know, we're running a, uh, like a drill with the UCLA cut where a guard passes to okay. the wing, runs off the high post and goes to the block. Right. So. That happens, and all of a sudden, Rev says, whoa, whoa, hold it, hold it, hold it. Uh, that is not how we do it. He said, John, when you cut off that guy's shoulder, I want you to bump into him. And first of all, I want you to set your man up with a fake and uh, get him leaning a little bit, and then go off your guy, go off him hard. And when you get to the uh, uh, when you get to the block, you make your butt big, and you look for the ball. You understand it? And uh, the kid said, yes, sir. Now, Raph starts walking back toward me, and he says, uh, it's all bullshit, Tommy. If they make it, you're a hero. If they miss it, you get fired. That's really all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says to you right then and there. In the middle of practice, on the floor. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, this is going to be a hell of a year. I, I'll never forget that. Oh, no, no, how about this one? I went, I went recruiting in Washington, D.C., uh, and I have a dear dear friend that I played in high school with and he and a junkie, you know, just a real big junkie. And so I said to Hottie, the other assistant, I said, Hottie, listen, uh, and I had a lot of Raph in me. I do have a lot of Raph in me. Let me say that. But anyway. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> Nothing so wrong I, with that, by the way. <laughs> I said to Hottie, listen, uh, all right, listen, they're going to, I'm going to take a train to DC. The, my boy's going to pick me up at the train. We're going to go to like three days of 
different tournaments and games and so forth. And, and I'm going to stay with them. So it's not going to cost us anything to stay. I said, is there, is it all right if I uh, take him out to dinner, take he and his wife out to dinner? And he said, okay. yeah, sure. Yeah. That's no problem. Okay. So I do. And it's, uh, and I'll never forget the total it was 52 39 in, 19, in 1973 <laughs> at the old lion Inn or something like that. You know? so, so anyway, I come home and, you know, and I, I, I see rap sporadically as, as I do. And, uh, and so now one day I'm sitting in the office and he says, uh, Tommy, can you come in here for a second? So I said, yeah. So I walk in and he said, what is all this? I said, all what? He said, $52 for dinner. I said, what the hell is up with that? And so I had to re-explain everything to him. And 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 then, and I'm walking backwards the whole time, Tim. You know that? I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can picture you. We got two. We each got two Coca-Colas. So-and-so got a refill. Uh, you're, you're itemizing this $52 receipt over here. Oh my gosh. Oh, man. Well, so, I, that, so I said, uh, I said, listen, um, um, and then of course I threw hottie right under the bus. I said, because <laughs> you know, I, I was so scared of rap. I said, hottie, he told me it was all right. I said, I, I, I didn't do it all on my own. And he said, uh, okay. Okay. And he said, all right, let me tell you one thing, Tommy. And I said, what's that? He said, you can go. So I turned around and, and then he came to call me. He said, Tommy, one thing. I said, what's that, Billy? He said, I do the effing entertaining on this staff. Nobody else. Okay? <laughs> oh, what a beauty. I mean, they just beauty. they just don't make them like that anymore. Oh, and uh, if, if, if anybody is listening who doesn't know and, and his coaching, I mean, a lot of people now would, you know, if you've listened to a college basketball game or watched a college basketball game on CBS, on, on TV, basically, you've, you've heard of Raf, you've heard Raf talking right. and describing the game and, and all that. But he had those coaching days that you were right in the middle of. And, uh, oh my gosh, uh, that, those, that is just priceless coach. Before we get too far away from the Georgia playing days, there's one instance that before I hand it over to Phil and and he takes us into filling in the gaps here, I have to get the, the backstory on a photo that I've seen you guarding pistol Pete Maravich, uh, take us into that day and take us into pistol Pete. Pistol uh, Pete, obviously, Tim was one of a kind. There was no nobody like him uh, during his time, and there had been many people like him after his time. And the difference is, there was no media, social media. There was no, you know, there was one game a week on in the SEC when he played. That was generally him, uh, which is which it should have been, no doubt about it. Uh, but Kentucky, you know, would get the would get the games, and so, but he and he was a really good guy. He was a very very good guy. I got to know him. You know, we weren't boys, boys. But I've been out with him a few times, been to his home a few times. And uh, and and one story was, in a true story, there was a guy named Bello who refereed the games, Lou Bello, uh, a little fat Italian guy and um, very animated. And, you know, and he was a big timer. And so he did a lot of peace games because, of course, Pete was a big timer. Right. So uh, so we got Bello in our place. It's crazy, crazy, st- you know. 12,000 packed, can't get near it. And, you know, which is the only time that we packed it was it was it was just unbelievable so anyway we're in a hell of a game with him goes right down the lane late uh and he runs right over me right over me and um 
The guy called a foul on me, 20, foul 20. So, and, and back then, especially in the South, I mean, at Columbia and Fordham, they were throwing stuff out of windows. You know, they were protesting everything, right? In the South, nobody said boo. Nobody said anything. So I said to myself, that is nonsense, man. And But I didn't want to get a technical. I mean, late in the game, it was close. And, uh, you know, I knew that would be disastrous had I gotten a technical foul. So as the guy was, so I was standing up and the guy, Bello, was coming by me. So we were at about the foul line now, a little bit outside. Now you got to go to the middle, to the scores table to, to call the foul and all that, right? So sure. as, he's, as he's walking over there, I, I just, I didn't even, I didn't even turn my head to him. Honestly, God, I said, uh, that was an offensive foul. Just like that. That was an offensive foul. I wasn't even sure he heard me, honest to God. And he got like two steps away from me and he wheeled around and he said, Hey, they ain't here to see you. (laughs) You gotta be kidding me. The the rap says this to you. (laughs) I'm laughing out loud. We're in a two point game with LSU. Yeah, they ain't here to see you. I'm thinking, man, you got to add insult to injury. What the hell? Yeah, I know they ain't here to see me. I don't mean he didn't run over me. <laughs> of course, I didn't say any of that. I just slumped away and got to where I had to go. But I, I oh. love the story was when he got to the league, it was a tough situation. Because, again, um, he, he played with the Hawks. And, uh, and the Hawks had all these guys from um, – uh, from St. Louis, uh, Bill Bridges and Joe Caldwell and uh, Walt Hazard, and they didn't want to hear about Pete. You know, they had their team, and they did Lou Hudson and Walt Bellamy. That was the five, and they didn't want to know nothing about Pete. Of course, Pete is Pete, <laughs> and you ain't not going to know nothing about him. So right. he, does, he does what he does. And, so, and we had a guy on the team named Herb White who ended up being the, one of the last players on the Hawks. So now – we had access and he and Pete were boys. They were, you know, they were the two guys that hung together, you know, everywhere. Got it. So, so anyway, so we could go to the games, you know, we go to Atlanta games. And, but the thing about Pete was you couldn't, uh, you, you couldn't uh, spend any time with him because you couldn't get near him, you know, after the games. So he didn't go out. And, and so we would go to his house. He did his smile. We, I say it like we did it a lot. We did it like two or three times, three times, maybe. We'd go to his house. He had a wonderful wife named Jackie. She was a great lady. And, and you know, he'd have people at his house. So, obviously, it took him a lot longer to get there than it did us. And I remember I was sitting in a room, and he walked in. It was 19, what, 72, 73? And he walked in, Tim, and he had this beautiful leather coat, like three-quarter length leather coat, and with a belt. I'd never seen anything like it, never. It was so beautiful. It took my breath away. And oh. so I'm, I'm kind of looking at him, you know? And, uh, and and he's just standing there, like modeling it, you know? And, and <laughs> he's talking to somebody. And so finally I said to him, uh, you know, you, you can take that coat off. It's like 75 degrees in here. You don't need to wear that coat now. And, and he went, uh, he got it. He got it exactly to me. He went, you like this coat, Tommy? You like this coat? I said, I do. I do. And I thought he was going to give it to me. I really did. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said, uh, well, I'll tell you what, you're going to be a phys ed teacher, right? Uh, well, two, three years salary, you'll be able to buy this coat. <laughs> I said, don't leave it laying around, big guy. We'll be in Athens by the morning. I'll tell you that for sure. But, <laughs> oh but he was a good guy. Gosh. He was a good guy. He troubled, you know, couldn't kind of find the 
find his niche and, uh, you know, and it was tough for him. And, uh, you know, I think both his parents committed suicide. Uh, you know, he, he had a rough go. I, he really did have a rough go. And he was, he was a nice, nice man, but you know, like anybody, he could get a little cranky and, uh, you know, and then, you know, when you, when you're Pete Maravich, you, you, you're somebody else, you know? So, but I, I always liked him and I always thought he was tremendous. And, and I did think that he was so ahead of his time basketball wise that it, like if he had come along in the nineties or two thousands, oh. oh, forget it. Well, I mean, I mean, all I remember, all I know of is you guarded him on that one possession and it should have been a charge. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and then you got a picture where I was locking him up, too. That's that, oh, man. He was going nowhere. He no, was going nowhere. No, no, no. He wasn't good going to his left. <laughs> Well, coach, um, you you sold yourself a little bit short, maybe uh, in terms of your own playing career at Georgia. So, you know, the program may not have got to um, where Coach Ken wanted it to at the time, but um, I believe you won the Senior Leadership Award your last season there. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that, um, what kind of leader you were at the time and how that developed, whether it be under Raf, as and when you saw him, as and when he was chewing you out over expense receipts, <laughs> or kid. I like that. You... yeah, <laughs> or whether or whether it was um, uh, under Coach Massimo or maybe uh, under Bruce Parkhill. Um, just talk to us a little bit about your own development as a leader on and off the court. Well, you know, it was just uh, it was a great privilege for me to get to stay uh, under Coach Roseman uh, and. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we had four seniors and they were, and we were, we were close. We were all close. Uh, we didn't have that great a year. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, they could have given, they could have given that award to at least three of the four of us, no doubt about it. And, uh, but, uh, so that being said, but I knew, I knew at that point, uh, Phil, that I, that I really wanted to coach basketball. I didn't know that. And uh, by the time I was a junior in college and, and, and honest to God, as much of it, seriously was for the lifestyle. I just thought, man, this is a, this is a hell of a way to make a living. I really did honestly believe that. And I, I was never scared about getting fired or, you know, I mean, I just knew that was kind of the cost of doing business. And, but it, it was tremendous. I mean, and I thought, man, oh man, you can do this. You, you, you know, you, you get to recruit, you get to travel, you, you get to play in big time arenas and, and, and you do something that just makes your blood rush. And, and, and there's nothing quite like it. There's no drug like it. There's no woman like it. There's no nothing like it. You know, when you're in the middle of that game and, and uh, it's going to go one way or the other and, and just the, and, and where I was lucky uh, and I don't know how it pertains to leadership, Though, but um, I, I never was, uh, I was never worried about losing. I never worried about, like, I, I remember all the time I was coaching, I'd say, you know what, if somebody said it's tied with a minute to go, would you take it? Absolutely. Take it in a minute. You know, that's, that would be great for me. You know, I just love the whole, the competing. I love the winning, of course. And, uh, and the, the one thing with me, and I think it helped me have Vermont was uh, the losing, it killed me, but only for a small amount of time. And then I was wow. back up and ready to go again. Let's go, you know. And I think that really, really helped me because, uh, you know, we I was not anything uh, of an overnight success. We're going to get into that. Well, right. wait, wait, wait a second on that, though, coach. Where'd you where did that come from? Do you think where did that trait come from? Take a lick, but, you know, lick your rooms, runes real quick and get back up. Where Did, did that just you you had it or was there somebody well, that, that, that put dad, that in you? My dad and my mom were, were wonderful and they were never uh, they were very much, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina. You know, go out and get it done. You know, and, got uh, it. And yeah. And, and, and my dad was good. Like you, you lose one, you lose one. You 
you know, and then you don't worry about it, you know. And and I'm I'm just sad that um uh that they but we I lost this is an amazing thing. I lost both my parents in different automobile accidents. I have never met anybody that I've ever talked to since. And I mean that the latest one was in ninety-five that it ever happened to, you know, but it ripped my heart out, of course. And, and, and then to lose my mom shortly after losing my dad in a different accident, you know, it's like, you can't, and then, then we got good. And then, you know, so the idea was that, uh, you know, I thank God every day we got good, but man, I wish they could have been around, you know, and they were so helpful to me when we sucked. That's what, and then when yeah. I sucked, they yeah. were so <laughs> great to me, you know? And, uh, uh, I remember I, I, I wrote a recruiting letter to a kid and, uh, you talk about my most embarrassing recruiting. I wrote a kid uh, in uh, somewhere and I had a dear friend that I wrote another letter to, and I just wanted to write it on Yale letterhead because I was a coach at Yale. You know, I thought I was a big shot. <laughs> and I put the letters in the wrong, in the long, wrong envelopes. And the one was filled with cursing and stupidity. <laughs> and the other one was filled with, we want your son so bad. He's just such a good kid. So I call my boy and I say, uh, Hey, did you get my letter? He said, yeah. What the hell were you talking about? I said, what do you mean? What was I talking about? He said, it was all crazy. You talk about how much you love my son. And you." And then I thought, oh, my God. He got <laughs> letter. So now I call the kid's mother. I'll never forget it. I said, and and you know what? This isn't even my most embarrassing recruiting story. We'll <laughs> get to that one. Vermont. But anyway, uh, so I called the lady and I said, so-and-so, this is uh, Tom Brennan with egg all over his face. I said, I am so embarrassed. I said, and I'm thinking I'm getting fired for sure. For sure. She calls, <laughs> she calls the janitor at Yale. I'm out. Right. <laughs> right? Goodbye. Right? And I remember Bart, Bart Giamatti was my president. He used to call me Terry. <laughs> what? Bart Giamatti of the MLB, the, the, the commissioner, Bart Giamatti. Yeah, he was the president of Yale when I was there. And no way, and he used to call you Terry. Terry. Yeah. I, I met him twice. He called me Terry both times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So anyway, so anyway, now I call this woman. I say, "This is Tom Brennan with egg all over his face," and I am so embarrassed. And I'm just praying that she doesn't get me fired. You know, that's all. I was groveling, and and she said, she said "Coach." I got four boys. I've heard all the words. Uh, I knew it had to be a mistake. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, I was on my knees like John McEnroe went in the open. But <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get fired for that. And, uh, and sure enough, uh, that, that worked out. So, uh, oh. so that's my Yale disastrous recruiting story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, what a, what a story. And, and uh, yeah, I want to, I want to kind of get into those different chapters of it wasn't all the UVM kind of celebration and, and confetti days that, that we all sort of saw and, and people may just remember there was a whole iceberg under that water that, that, that nobody saw that, that you had to go through in that time. And, and also just want to, you know, take a moment, just, you know, the, to, to acknowledge how awful that had to have been losing your parents that way. And, and before the, the, Thank like you. you said, the, yeah, absolutely. And before that uh, time of, of, of success that you, you hit at UVM for them to have seen that sir, surely I have to believe they they did see it and and um, I do too. yeah absolutely um but you did mention there they were so great to you during those times of where you took some lumps um yes. what what for example well for example um we played uh niagara here when i was uh and my mom was still alive and uh, uh we got killed we got killed at home 
I'll never forget it. It was my first year. And they crush uh, you. Oh, I remember walking in the locker room at halftime. We're at home now. We're at home. We're out. We're out. We're down 50 to 20, 50 something crazy, 30 or <laughs> halftime. No, you can't, can't happen, right? <laughs> at home, it can't happen. So, uh, so uh, I said, uh, so we, we lose the game, going back home. Uh, and my mom and my sister are with me. And my mom is just so gracious. You know, she said, Tommy, you know, you knew what you were getting into. You know, you knew it was going to be hard here. You knew it was going to take some time. And and that's how you have to approach this thing. And I said, thanks, Ma. I appreciate it. And and we got to the house and my sister called me over and she said, and my mom, she said, look at Tommy down there. He needs a haircut. And God, he's yelling and screaming at those officials. What good does he think that's going to do? <laughs> but God love her. She never said it to me herself. She just held my hand and let me put my head on her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> we both knew what happened. <laughs> that's <right. laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. So I am, I, I, and I think to say not only my mom and dad, but I have six younger siblings, and I'm close with every one of them, and I'm so proud and delighted by that. They live all over the country. Uh, mostly, I got one that lives down the street from me here in Middlebury, but everybody else is far away. But we've been close forever and obviously something like that should certainly bring you closer together those tragedies that we went through but they're all good i mean they're all good and they and they they've all come uh to my games and uh and you know i put my brothers on the bench a couple times thank you uh wow. and uh it's, it's just been it's just been it's been funny I, I i broke all the rules i had a kid playing with me in georgia named cohen i'll never forget this so he comes up he said i'm gonna come up and visit you i said oh great man great so uh i said bring a coat and tie he said, why? I said, because I'm going to put you on the bench with me. And he went, no way. No, I said, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. Just wear a coat and tie. Now, we got this little half-assed locker room, this little half-assed gym. We got nothing, right? We, and he walks in, <laughs> and he goes, this is unbelievable, unbelievable. I said, Barry, you you played in Georgia. We yeah. had the most beautiful dressing room, beautiful arena. We went to Kentucky and Tennessee and Auburn. Uh, he said, yeah, but no, that's not like this, man. You weren't the coach then, is it, you know? And he just loved it. And it, he sat on a bench next to me. He was like a little kid. I'm saying, I think you were S. I think you were second team All SEC. You're worried about what the hell's going on with Vermont and Harvard? Come on, <laughs> but I, I love that. That was a big part of it for me being able to do that with people, and and it meant you know things like that. As you know, Tim, you were in the big leagues, the biggest of big leagues. Okay, you know yes, how sir. much that means to people. Oh, and they can say, you know what Tim told me? You know what I heard from Tim? He's with the Lakers. He's with the Lakers. <laughs> it means yeah. people. Right. It does, you know. So uh, so for him, yeah, that his boy was coaching. Vermont that was just the that was the ultimate as far as he was concerned and he was he was tremendous man I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have had more fun than I had with him I'll tell you what Amazing. that that is so true coach and uh there is since since our mutual connection uh, it, here is Chris Lazier my high school basketball coach I'll bring this up because we look down all of a sudden and this is it gives me goosebumps today. Uh, we came up through in the developmental league in the NBA developmental league D league at the time. Now it's the G league. So we're in Bakersfield oil and farm. That's all that's out there. Uh, if you don't do one of those two things, you, you don't want to be in Bakersfield. And, uh, so, but we play our first game uh, of the year on the road in LA and the LA D league team played at the stable center before the, the, the Lakers game. So it was kind of like a JV varsity type of thing. And I I'll never forget. I I'm the head athletic trainer. 
Chris Lazier is the assistant coach, and Will Voigt, who that's was, what I was talking about. And, Will that, Voigt. That's yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, and so, Will Voigt is uh, the head coach. And for a little quick context, uh, I was a I was a junior and a senior at Thetford Academy, uh, two hundred fifty kids at Thetford Academy, uh, seven through twelve. By the way, and my head basketball coach varsity was Chris Lazier. The head varsity soccer coach was Will Voigt. All of a sudden, we look at down the sideline at Staples Center with Lakers players in the hallway waiting to us for us to finish, and we're sitting on the sideline at Staples Center, the three of us. And uh, I mean, one, two, three. Head athletic trainers usually sits first because they need to get out to the injuries, and then head coach and assistant coach. And um, yeah, it just uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a special thing. Yeah. There were 200 people in your three combined towns. Where you yeah, <laughs> that's right. And there were we that took... many beautiful people at the Laker game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man, it's so true. <laughs> that's brilliant, Coach. Well, before you got to Vermont, there were, there were a few more stops along the way. And obviously, we mentioned Coach Raff and um, some of his great stories. But you also were able to apprentice under a couple of other great coaches as well, Coach Park Hill and... Um, Coach Louis, Massimino, Louis Massimino. So, yeah. yeah. So talk yeah. To, talk to us a little bit about those stops in your journey and what you learned from those two fine gentlemen. Well, oh boy, I, give me give us a mass story now. Come on. Oh, I got a thousand mass stories. Well, here. let's go. But anyway, uh, Billy, like I said, was great, and but it was a part time job, and I, you know, I had to teach school, and uh, I was hopeful of getting. Uh, on more full-time with him, but there was no guarantee of that. And then Rowley had an opening, and his assistant was, at that time, was Craig Littlepage, who went on, of course, to be the uh, commissioner, or not the commissioner, but the head of uh, uh, Virginia. He was the AD of Virginia, uh, was the head of the committee, the selection committee, one of, one of the greatest wow. people I ever met. And I I had the wonderful good fortune of, of uh, sitting next to him for two years with Rowley. But Rowley was, uh, at the time, uh, was so demanding. I mean, and, and, you know, and I, I don't, I, we're, God rest his soul. And we really finished up strong. We really did. And, and I credit that to him because I was more of a baby about it, but he was tough to deal with. You know, he really was. And I was kind of his whipping boy, you know, and if you've been a trainer for a long time and I know you have, you know, you can observe on staffs that there are certainly some guys that are treated a little better than others. Am I right? Absolutely. So, you know, and he was just, I, I, I really, I do believe that, that he liked me. I, I don't think that he, I think he was just pushing me. He knew I was generally lazy and that, you know, and, that, uh, you know, I, I had to be pushed sometimes in different directions, but, but he was, he was unbelievable. You know, he just kept getting on me and getting on me. So, so one time, and he was so smart fellas, he was so smart basketball wise. And he used to have these two leather bags that he carry things around in and um, like sets and defenses and all that stuff. And and when we were recruiting, I'll never forget, I, I think about this often. We'd go to a diner after the after the game and we'd sit down there and he would go to the other tables and take all the salt and pepper shakers. So we had five of each, you know, and then we would start going, well, if you do this, I'm going to do that. I'm saying, you know, it's 1130. I really want to go home. You know, I, I really, <laughs> really, we, you know, we play Duquesne on Tuesday. Let's figure it out on Monday. You know, <laughs> but he was so demanding and he, and, and God bless him. It's, it's how he was so successful. Uh, and, and so, and, and I have always, always taken great pride, um, in how I dressed and, and for basketball particularly. And so I just thought, um, you know, and then, honest to God, it's one of the reasons that I did it. 
Honestly, God, I would never like I had to coach baseball fairly Dickinson just because I was part of the job description, you know. But I'm thinking, right. I had to do this every day, come out in this stupid looking uniform. Never. No, I, I'll do it like Connie Mack. I'll, I'll tell you, I ain't gonna do that. So That's anyway, right. He did he coached know, he coached in a suit and tie. Yes. So getting, you know, getting hooked up was a big part of it for me. It really was. And so anyway, and I didn't get much love from our boy at the time. And I was a young kid and I was way more afraid of him than I was the ref. And 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 I remember when he hired me uh he called me he said he wants to, he wants me to come down for another interview i said ah oh, billy man he wants me to come down again uh, and he said um i oh, tell him the hell with it tell him the hell with it we'll try to work something out here i said, no. said that yeah i said can you work something out here can, i can't promise it oh, the hell, the guy was like, well, he never even went I don't <laughs> <laughs> so anyway I went down there and it was full time. It was Villanova. I mean, it was a, it was a big damn deal. And so, so, uh, so uh, I said to him, um, he said, all right, after the third interview, he said, all right, all right, you're in, you got it. And I said, thanks coach. I was running out of suits. <laughs> so anyway, we're at this diner and uh, we, uh, he, he came from somewhere else and me and Paige are standing there waiting for him, you know? And he says, he comes up to me and he says, and I had this nice, I thought nice looking suit on. Right. And back in those days, I don't know if you guys remember, but back in those days, you wore coat and tie every day. No, sure. No, no zip ups or none of that. That that was not happening. Yeah. So no. anyway, he comes walking out from the parking lot to the diner and he says to me, Hey, you pay for that suit? And uh, I said, what? He said, uh, did you buy it? I mean, where'd you, where'd you get it? What, what the hell is that? And I said, coach, coach, you know, let me say something. Okay. You are the best basketball guy. Now I'm 23 years old. I understand that. That I ever met. I said, you are absolutely <laughs> the best basketball guy I ever met. I never, never saw anybody like you. I said, but when it comes to dressing, that's what I am. I'm like what you are to basketball to dressing. Okay. So don't worry <laughs> about my suit. It's the first time, uh, Tim, that I ever stood up to him. It was the first time I ever talked back to him. And, uh, and, and he said, uh, oh, is that right? I said, yeah, that's right. That is right. And he said, okay, we'll see about that. And I thought, I, I thought you got him. First time in a year and a half, you got him. <laughs> uh, but anyway, oh my uh, gosh. I uh, mean, I can't, I can't even imagine it must have taken what it must have taken to say, wait a minute, I got to put this guy in his place right now. I know. And I knew, I mean, it was one of those situations where honest to God every day, and I just thought it was the cost of doing business. This is what you got to do. But I thought every day I could be fired. Uh, you know, kind of <laughs> oh held that, you know, where, I mean, he never actually came out. Oh, you know what he was saying to me all the time? You know how many guys wanted this job? You know how many? And I would say, I don't know, 100, 500. I don't know. What difference does it make? I got it, you know? It's just, but I, but he made me understand that that was a special gift that I got. And I did know that. I did know that. And I also knew that I wasn't really ready basketball-wise as I could have been, you know? Uh, but he, you know, he did. We we worked and worked and worked and worked at it. I mean, I I, I will tell you that. And then then I got to William & Mary with Bruce Parkhill. I was so lucky. We were right around the same age. Uh, and George Bolanis was their coach. And he went with uh, shoes. He went with Adidas or Nike or something, you know, to make serious money. And, uh, and Bruce got the job and he hired me. And I was with him there for five years. And it was five of the greatest years of my life. I loved Williamsburg. 
I love walking through uh, uh, the old Williamsburg to go to the, the arena, you know, it just uh, church of the Duke of Gloucester Street. And it, it just was neat. I walked down the street in the morning, and a guy be out there sweeping, and there was a sign on the door said, Close today, open tomorrow. <laughs> 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 and every day I walked by here, I saw the same sign. Same it, was sign. Just, it was just so neat. And and we were good. We were good. And he was good. And he was so intense and, and so easy to work for. And uh, so, yeah, that was, and we are, we are dear, dear friends to this day. And that was 40 years ago now. And we still talk on the phone, you know, once a week or every two weeks. He's down in Florida now. And he went to uh, Penn State, did a great job there, got out too soon. Uh, and um, but anyway, it was a wonderful five years of my life. I learned, I learned a whole lot, and I, and I learned um, as much about uh, as you're growing up. You're supposed to be paying attention and getting smarter and, and dealing with people and talking with people. And I always was. I, I was never uncomfortable. My dad was a was a mayor of, of of our town for a while, and it's when you could be honest. Really, you know, how many honest mayors you know now? I don't know, but right, right. You know I mean, but but really, and he had a tremendous moral compass, and and uh, and and very much uh, be proud of your name and represent your name, and uh, and understand where you came from, and and proud of your community. I mean, he he was just big on all that stuff, and and uh, but he was just a great guy. I mean, he was a great guy. Uh, and to lose him uh, without having any great success, uh, and, and, and at that point, not knowing if I was going to have any success, <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it was it was a tough time. But anyway, I, I'm thankful for the time that I had with them, and uh, and they were both wonderful. I could not have uh, asked for any more. That's great, oh, Coach. What, yeah. To rewind um, just for a second, if you would, back to the Villanova days. You know You're going to have to do that a lot with me. Cause yeah. The rails, <laughs> hey, so, we'll bring you back. <laughs> you keep running, baby. You keep running. We'll bring you back. Okay. I believe you shared a, a very small cramped office um, with the future Harvard coach, Frank Sullivan. Can you talk to us a little about sharing sharing the fire with uh, <laughs> with Frank it, while you were there? It was great. It was great. Frank had a little bit of an edge on me uh, because he played for Rowley in high school, I'm almost certain, uh, and um, at Lexington, Mass., and uh, and Frank was smart, really smart, and a hard worker, and quiet, very quiet. You know, never said much. And even when I co- when I coached against him, Phil, he would never. He was like my hero when he was at Harvard. You know, we played all the time, and it, it was it was neat, but it was hard because we were really good friends. And and uh, and it, the only good thing it wasn't a league game for either one of us. You know, so that that made things a little bit more tenable. <laughs> but but he was a great guy. We'd go out to dinner, whether I go down there, he, you know, and, and that was always important to me. I always try to take guys out to dinner, and you know, and um, and I'm thinking, look, I ain't looking to steal you out of bounds plays here. You know, I, I just want to talk about the problems you have and the problems I have, and and that type of thing. But Frank was always great. He was wonderful. We, we were dear, dear friends and have been forever. And uh, he was the head of our officials for a while, uh, even after I got out of the league. But he was very, very smart, really smart. And But it, it was, uh, and I don't know if he would tell you this or not, but you were always on the edge of your seat when we were with Rowley. You know, he just was that kind of guy. He just always kept you on the edge of your chair. And Frank helped me so much because he he's another guy to pat me on the head and say, you're all right. Don't worry about it. You're doing fine. Then don't sound like I'm doing fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So, uh, but it happened. And sadly, it happened. I don't even want to get into it a lot. But the guy just drove me out. I just couldn't. I mean, I'm 24 years old. I'm coaching Villanova. How can I think about leaving? 
can't even think about it, right? I mean, my wow. God. But I couldn't. Uh, you know, it was too much. It was too much, and I just, I just said, you know, we're not, we're not a good you, fit. You mean, you mean the 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 pairing or the the pressure that Raleigh Raleigh was putting on you? It yes. just, it was just yes. was too much. Yes, I just felt like I, I couldn't do anything right. I couldn't, um, you know, and it's hard enough. And we were losing it. You know, the first two years of Villanova, we lost. Uh, and um, and that didn't help his mood any ever. Yeah. You know? and, and so, but I just thought, you know, this is, you know, you're not helping him. He's not helping you. It's just, it's just getting, just getting crazy. So, so I left and, and, um, uh, and then we were estranged for a long time, long, long, long time. Uh, and then when I got, I got the job at uh, Vermont. Uh, they were on the schedule. Uh, I called up Jay Wright, who was his assistant. I said, uh, uh, there's, we're not having a game. He said, what are you talking about? He didn't even know me well then. I said, no, we're not, I'm not playing him. There's no way. And now we're talking about Villanova what? coming to Burlington. <laughs> How many times does that happen, right? So anyway, so now I get my AD calls me. Come down here, please. Yeah, what's up? Uh, what are you talking about, Villanova? Nah, nah, we got we don't have a good relationship. I'm not playing him. He said, "You're not playing him. Not, you're not playing him. Who's you playing him? How many times do you think Villanova's going to come to this gym? Zero. <laughs> so anyway, so the first time, the first time was a little, little tough. But I went. Uh, we went out to this Italian restaurant, of course, which you had to do with Rolly. I mean, uh, you know, he, he was just so Italian. He was so Italian. You couldn't. <laughs> You couldn't describe it, so, <laughs> you know? So anyway, kiss in the ring and all, all that stuff, you know? So we go to this Italian restaurant and, and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, an alum set it up and he is still here with us now. And he's almost 90 and he played with Roly in 54. So really? but he stayed around and, and became a big fan of the program. So anyway, so he sets up this dinner and I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know. This is a good idea. You know, I'm not sure about this. And he said, come on. Oh, what are you kidding me? It's, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So, you know, we're standing around there's about 20 people there. And so finally I just said to him, uh, I said, um, I said, Coach, you know, let me let me just start with this, okay? I mean, I am so proud to be the coach at your alma mater, which was 226 on the damn list of jobs by at that time. Remember when they they go one to two, three thirty, who were the worst teams were? Well, at that time <laughs> we were the worst. <laughs> we were the worst team. So I said, but I got to tell you, I said, I just, I, I really, I got to tell you this. I said, uh, you just were. You just treated me bad, you know. You just treated me bad, and it really hurt me, and it affected me, and um, and and uh, I, I I just got to tell you that he said uh, you were an FMY's guy. Uh, I said, well, okay. Now we got a we got a starting point. Now, <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> okay, okay. Maybe I was a wise guy. Okay, but and then and since then, since that day, that would have been eighty seven or eighty eight. We have been close, and and then you know. But again, you you got to kiss the ring. You got to do all the right things, and I was happy to do it. He was Rolly Massimino, you know. So that end of end of story. And uh, and then we got to be really got to be boys. And he's come and visited after that. Now since he's since passed away, but uh, you know we had a lot of a lot of great great times after that. Uh, but the point being is that extremely hard to work for, and um, and uh, and I'm really 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 touched and glad uh, that we got it straightened out because obviously I became 
dear friends with Jay Wright because he was at Hofstra and we were, you know, we were in the same league and then he got the Villanova job. And so we have stayed close for years and years and years. And I, I never wanted a, a bad relationship with coach mass. Never. I mean, it was, he was coach mass and what he had done. And, and I was there, I was a part of that. You know, I wasn't there for, for any of the great years, but I was a Villanova assistant. So sure. I feel just as proud as anybody else when they won in 85, because I helped start it, you know, cause Roley was still there. And, and but uh, we did, recover which was great and he was uh he was really good to me at the end and he was so you know he was thrilled that i got the floor he thought that was just great and so by the end uh you know all's well that is well kid and that and and that's how i that's how i found it well that's that's incredible and i will say one thing i take away from that and you don't need a patent pat on the back i know that but uh that that to me probably doesn't play out that way if if you don't sort of separate yourself, step back and say, let me take the high road here uh, for the sake of the relationship and for the sake of the respect that you did have, even though there was some barbs sent over your way that didn't feel so good. Um, I doubt that that plays out that way. If, if you don't sort of, you know, take the, take one for the team on that and, and, and do what was the the harder motion movement or action to get the ball rolling. So I, I mean, it's just, um, it says a lot about you coach and, and it, it says a lot about about your um, value in relationship. Well, that's kind. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm too old to fight now, my boy. I just want. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth it, right? Oh uh, my gosh. Uh, it, it, so, okay, I'm I'm putting this all together as you're talking. See, I'm through. putting you guys on the spot because I'm not paying enough attention to what you're talking about and going all over the place. And I hey, feel bad about that. But no, do not feel bad. You, you can chop it is, up. You you hey, chop it up. Hey, this is there's job. nothing to chop up here, baby. This is this is just pure gold. We're we're going, baby. Uh, uh, so, and, 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 uh, you know, when I take a pause for a second, I'm just, I'm just pausing to kind of give a quick kind of recap of where we're at. Cause I'm, I'm trying to put myself into your head and your shoes and, and heart and, and figure out what, where are you at as you've now put this as a player, you're, you're, you're going up against Pete Maravich as a, a young coach, you're working with, with Raf, with Massimino. I mean, you're, you're just at the foot of these, these legends and you're soaking stuff up and it wasn't all easy as you just described. Um, did you, at this point, did you see the, the ladder starting to climb? I mean, are you thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get my shot here and I'm, I'm starting to build the, the, the rungs on the ladder to get there. Or how, how is your approach at that time uh, for where we're headed? Well, you know what they say, Tim, Oscar Wilde said it, liking yourself is the beginning of a great relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I never, I never lack for self-confidence. I never there did. There you have but, it. But, uh, and I was with two studs, but Bruce Parkhill and Barry Parkhill. Uh, Barry played at Virginia, was a great player there, played in the ABA for a while. Um, so we had a, we really had a, a, a good staff and, and I loved where I was. And, but I kind of felt like, you know, I, I think I can do this. I think if I get the opportunity, um, that I can be a head coach. I really believe it. And then the opportunity came at Yale and it was, um, it was tough, uh, because, um, I was, kind of a compromised candidate from what I found out. And, um, um, but that really didn't matter to me. And I remember I told, telling you about my dad, when I, <laughs> when I got the job at Yale, uh, it was, it was so overwhelming to me. I mean, I was just so thinking, God, man, you're going to be the coach at Yale. You know, that's such a neat thing. Wow. So, uh, and when I, how about this? And when I went up for the first time, uh, uh, I, I went, went to Richmond and took a train 
I took a train to Yale because that's what Cole Porter did when he went to Yale for the first time. He took a train. And I was like a renaissance man. And I thought, Dude, look where you're going. Look at the people that went here. Forget basketball. Forget, you know, you're going to Yale, you know. Wow. So anyway, it was, it was, it was really kind of fun. But when I went up to get announced, I had to go through Phillipsburg, New Jersey, uh, the night before. Um, and I stayed at my folks' house. And me and my old boys went out, like six or seven guys. And uh, and they were raising tequilas and uh, Tommy Brennan, Coach yell, you know, Mer- from Mercer Street. Look at this. <laughs> so anyway, the next day, my, my dad goes up there with me, Tim, and I am so, so sick. So, so hungover, right? I got a pillow in the window. Oh, man, I'm thinking, <laughs> you asshole. Why in God's name did you think last night was a good night to get tore up? Why? <laughs> right? So now I am just, oh, man, I'm thinking this is going to be hard. And, and thank God the old man never took it out on me, man. He was really good about it. <laughs> so, so anyway, we get there. And now we're, you know, now and it's a big deal for me. I'm, you know, I'm what, 30, 32 years old and, and I've never had anything like this before. And it's at Yale and, and I'm just pumped. Right. So now there's a, a writer for the new Haven register. And, um, and I knew, I knew I was a compromised candidate. I know I was not who they originally wanted or even maybe even second or third. I don't know. Didn't matter to me. Obviously um, uh, you get the job, you got a chance to do the job. That's all. So anyway, so the guy says to me, and he's trying to hedge it, you know, and he said, uh, you know, it, it took 90 days, which is re- re- unbelievable when you think about it, from the time the guy left to hire a coach in the Ivy League, 90 days. What are you talking about? And right. so, uh, so, okay, he said, it took 90 days. Uh, did that discourage you? I said, no, no, why, no, not at all, not at all. When they called me, I was ready. That's how I, that's how I look at it. And if they didn't call me, I'd have stayed at William and Mary. It wouldn't have been the end of the world, you know? And, um, and so he said, well, but he wouldn't let it go. He said, well, you know, do you think um, uh, the fact that, you know, people didn't know who you were and you weren't the first choice and does that affect you? And, and I'm thinking, no, asshole, my dad is here. My dad is here. Don't talk like that. So I said, I said to him, uh, hey, um, I said, what's your name again? And uh, uh, he told me. And I said, uh, uh, are, you, are, you, are you good at your job? And he said, I think I am. I said, well, I never heard of you. <laughs> so Got, him. Just- Got him. Got <laughs> him. Started out a pretty contentious relationship with the New Haven Register, but I did get him. <laughs> That's right. You let him. You let him know early on. Early on. Oh man. So uh, try to take us through some of those Yale days of um, uh, what that was like to kind of get the reins for the first time. You, you mentioned overwhelming uh, in 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 many ways, good ways, because you it was an honor to be there. But I have to imagine in in some tough ways uh, when you finally kind of get in that that hot seat, as they call it. Yeah, yeah, obviously it was different. You know, I look back on it now, Tim, and I think uh, one good thing was there's only eight other people, seven other people that you had to be, really, and and they all had pretty much the same deal that you did. You know, yeah. we always thought we always thought Penn was, you know, Penn, and they had the palestra. They needed uh, they needed seats filled and all that, and they, um, you know, so you, you, once in a while you get upset with what Penn was doing, but but by and large everybody had the same deal that you did. You know, and and it was represented 
basically the same way. There was no other than Penn and Princeton a little bit. And Princeton got great because of Petey, Petey Carrillo. Uh, mm. They didn't get great because they had great players. They had very good players, but but his was the magic when he had that offense and nobody could figure it out. And, and uh, you know, the Princeton offense, and he just used to lay up people to death. And But all that being said, I, I just thought this is, this is fine. And I had a kid named Butch Graves who was tremendous, and uh, uh, and he was really a good player. He was a big-time player. And his father headed up um, Black Enterprise Conglomerate or whatever it was. So he was filthy, filthy rich, but just a good and regular good old boy and and played hard, and it was a joy to coach. And my, my one concern there, uh, Tim, was that I thought, um, you know, these guys at, at Yale are going to have – uh, what's the word? Not expectations, but uh, that they're, they've always been taken care of their whole life. Uh, uh, and, you know, how, how are you going to coach them? How are you going to coach them up? And, and uh, uh, but he, I didn't have guys like that. I really didn't. Uh, Jeb Boesberg, who's going to head up to the Trump uh, January 6th trial uh, in D.C. He's my wow. boy, played for me wow. for two years. And, and I knew he was going to become a judge or a lawyer because nobody ever asked me more questions than him, you know. But he's <laughs> just a great guy. And I had I had wonderful kids. And I remember, and you know, in the obvious, you played on Friday and Saturday, you know. So Graves, uh, yeah. Bush Graves probably played uh, 35 minutes a game, 33 anyway, always, you know. I, I never would take him out. And, uh, uh, and so we're practicing now. And he loved to practice. That was another thing about him. He loved to practice. And um, so I'd say, come over here, come over here with me, stand with me. And uh, he'd say, what are you doing? I'd say, just stand with me. I said, you know, you're going to play 80 minutes in in the next couple of nights. Just calm down. And he said, uh, well, sounds to me like having a Mercedes and keeping it in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> oh. can't, can't argue with that. No, I said, okay, go back in there and twist your ankle. Go ahead, go back in and sprain your ankle. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, but he was wonderful. He was a wonderful guy. We, I'm still, again, I think one of the, one of the things I'm most, proud of is the, the relationships that I do have with these guys now. And I, I'm, I'm really bragging now. I'm bragging. Uh, it didn't happen until I got here. Now I, I, I went to three or four at, at Yale, but since I got here, uh, Lynn and I have been to 32 player weddings, 32. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's unbelievable to me. Absolutely unbelievable. Cause when I go to kids home, I'd say, listen, I don't know whether you're going to be all American or whether you're going to hate me or whether you're going to quit the team. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to talk about an opportunity that I'm going to give you. And I'm going to say one thing. If I don't get invited to your wedding, then I did a crappy job. That's all. <laughs> there was. That's all. There I you have it. 32 that says now. a lot. Uh, yeah. That really, really says a lot. <laughs> so you talk Impressive. a little, you talk about Butch and how great he was. You, you also had a gentleman by the name of Chris Dudley, who was um, on one of those Yale squads as well. Talk to us a little bit about Chris. And again, another smart guy who's gone on to great things, obviously. Uh, had a good MBA career as well, but talk to us a little bit about his time with you. He's ran for governor of Oregon yeah. last time. Yeah. I um, mean, he was a great guy and he was so tough. That, that was one thing about him. He was tough as nails. Uh, he loved to compete. Uh, I had him his first two years uh, and he just kept getting better and better. But, uh, you know, sadly, even then, uh, he didn't shoot fouls. He didn't shoot fouls well. And he, he never, <laughs> never, he never got over that, unfortunately. But he was just great to have on the team. And he was a, a wonderful guy. And uh, we've gotten together at Final Fours and we talk on the phone. And, uh, and you know, and he had the balls of 
trying to pummel Pack or Shaq. He threw that ball. Out. That's right. He fired the ball <laughs> dar- darn near half court, and he and he nailed him too. I know, man. I know, I know man. You are you are, you are a tough guy, but you're a stupid tough guy that went to yeah. Yard. That's right. <laughs> one or the but, other, or maybe uh, both. He was great. He man was great, and 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 you know, and again, you know what makes it so nice to talk to you guys now is that because I'm at a point in my life where I'm just. Where else would you rather be? Where, where, where? You got it made. You got all these relationships. You still got a team. You walk in. Your name's on the damn court. I mean, come on. Who gets to do that? You know. And and as I said, man, something named after you're supposed to be dead. We all know that. And uh, (laughs) to have this happen is really a big deal. And it's and it's happened. And and you know, as you guys know, and and Tim, especially you with your with I don't know exactly Phil's background, but with what you did. You yeah. know, like every one of those days that you're taping somebody's ankle or fixing something about them or just listening to them, uh, you're saying, well, this is this is another day at the office for me. I'm not saving this for a book or I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. Because That's right. I can tell stories with Tom Brennan one day. I'm doing this because I love doing it. It's my job. I do my job. I love the guys I'm working with. And then what happens if you stay at it long enough? And this happens, what we're doing. And so that's, uh, I just think that's really neat at this time of my life to have that going for me and have all those kids and have grandkids that play or, uh, you know, just, uh, again, I'm, I'm just in a really lucky spot and I'm uh, very, very thankful. Well, I think you said it. You just stayed in the moment and appreciated where your your feet were at all the stops along the way, and you did it for long enough. And and that's the funny thing about when you do something for long enough, and you really are able to stay in the moment and appreciate what's what is in front of you and what you have. It can really add up to something special, and I, I can't wait to have you take us in. I'm dying to hear how we get from Yale to UVM, but there's a, <laughs> hang on a second, because you referred to Pete Carrill as Petey, so that tells me you guys had some some uh, time together. What's your best Pete Carrill story? Oh, uh, I knew him since I was six years old. And, oh, uh, my. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Honest to God. And uh, he was a coach. Uh, at Easton High School for a little while, which was right next door to me. And then he was the coach at Reading High School out in uh, more central Pennsylvania. Uh, but we, I always knew him in the summers. He always came back. And, and, and then um, uh, when he got the Princeton job, um, a lot of us from the Lehigh Valley that knew him uh, would go to games once in a while and, and you know, just go out with him at a little place in the corner where he ate pizza and drank beer. And, uh, and so, and I remember this. I remember this story with Little Page. We were up at uh, Pittsburgh recruiting at the at the um, five star camp up there in wow. uh, Coriopolis, I think is where it was. But anyway, so Paige and I uh, are there, Frank Little Page, and uh, he comes in and he says, uh, "Hey, uh, you mind if I stay with you guys? I couldn't get a room." I said, "Yeah, no, you couldn't get a room. You're a Princeton for Christ's sake. You couldn't get a room." <laughs> He said, no, nah, so I'll just stay with you guys if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, no, of course you can stay with us. Of course. You're Pete Carrill. Oh, my God. We go in there. He brings a little bag out of the car. Just a little bag, like a hobo bag. You could have put it over your <laughs> stick over your foot. And, uh, and so he flips it down, and, and we had two beds. And we he flips it down on the floor, and he said, give me a pillow. This will be good for me. And Craig Littlepage says, hey, you can't <laughs> stay on the floor we'll, we'll stay on the floor don't worry about it they went no no absolutely not you you, you we'll do it so um and then um 
So he did. He stayed on the floor. He slept on the floor. And I remember, like, and he was such a, you know, he was a bad, he was a mean guy to play against. He was really a, a hard-nosed guy, you know. And, uh, and you know, what's funny, uh, Tim, is that once I got the Yale job, we kind of, we separated for four years. That's how long I was there. Wow. He, just, he didn't want to know nothing about me. You know, like a lot of guys in the league, you call them up, you talk to them. What, you know, none of that. None of that. And we were friends. I mean, I, I should say he was a mentor for sure. You know, he was a little older. Wow. But we were just, and uh, so, and I remember, and he was always pissed off at the games. He's always killing referees, you know. He was just a <laughs> bad guy to deal with. And so, uh, so I remember we walked, I walked up and shook his hand before the game. Um, I said, how's your team? He said, better than yours. <laughs> and he meant it he sure did he uh, sure did so yeah, oh my was, gosh uh, yeah so i i had a lot of wonderful what a legend <laughs> what a Amazing. legend so oh, how about this this way i can't let please, you go without that. please please i we were at the, we were at a camp uh and um somebody said to me uh are you going to get a home visit with them um uh, and uh and i said uh yeah, I hope so. You know, I hope, I hope we can. And the, the, the thing was, you, you observe somebody, you like them, you call them up and said, can we come in and tell you about William and Mary or Yale or whatever it might be and go from there? And uh, everybody would say yes, of course. Nobody ever said no. And then the idea would, if you, you had a good enough home visit, uh, you know, you would try to get them to visit. And then, and then the, the, you know, B follows A and whatever. So anyway, I said, um, uh, he said that he had overheard the conversation. Petey overheard it. And he said, uh, so you doing home visits, huh? And I said, yeah, you, you don't, don't you do them? And he went, Tommy, the only people that go into houses where they don't know anybody are burglars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> How do you even respond to that? That's it. I just turned and walked away. Okay, you do it your way. You've only won eleven championships. You do it your way. You know? <laughs> really, he, was a, he was a unique cat all the way, all the way through. Wow! Amazing. Pete Carell, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you you mentioned um, your relationship with Jay Wright as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about Jay and your perspective there? Uh, I knew, you know, I knew he was a superstar from the minute that I first met him. I knew it. Really? Yes, Why? Absolutely. Because he just had this carriage. He just, he was who he was before the cameras were around, you know? Mm. He was movie star handsome, great shape, great talker to people, humble. I mean, you you couldn't find a better guy. And when we played, when we, when I was still struggling with Rolly and I didn't even know him that well. And, and I told him that we, you know, we weren't playing him, you know, and he, he was the middleman there. Of course he had nothing to do. He, <laughs> he went and reported the news to Rolly. That was his job then, you know? So anyway, so when, when that all happened um, and I knew, I knew how important, scouting was to Rolly. You know, I knew that uh, that was a big deal to him. It was like, it was like getting the answers before you took the test, you know? And, uh, and so that he was just strong on that and send you scouting. I remember he sent me to see, um, sent me all the way to Clemson to see um, Clemson play and they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. And I was sitting next to Paul Westhead, uh, who was at LaSalle at the time. And I said, what the hell am I going to do? I can't, I'm going to have to make stuff up. I can't go back. This is what I wrote down. This is what they did. They didn't do anything. He said, Tommy, <laughs> better you are unless you have to do. That's what he said. That's what he so said. Let, yeah. The better that's you are what unless we, you have to do. That's what Westhead said to you? Said to me, yeah. 
So I said, well, you might, that might work for you and whoever your assistants are, but I got to write some shit down here to take back to my boy. Cause I, <laughs> I cannot go back and say, you know what? They didn't do anything. <laughs> oh my oh, God. Man. But so now Jay Wright scouts us. And, um, and, um, uh, so I got, I talked to him a little bit before the game, but again, I, I didn't know him that real well. I didn't know him at all, really. Uh, I'd spoken at his banquet. That's interesting. I spoke at his banquet at Bucknell when he was a senior. I was a guest speaker at the basketball banquet. So I spent some time with him then. But anyway, uh, so we, we do what we do and, uh, and then they're coming up and, uh, and I know how important scouting was. And so I stood up on my bench and looked down at Rolly's bench and I said, we're going to run red or run something. And, uh, and, and Jay Wright kind of looked up at me and I said, don't you worry about it. You didn't see this one. We just put this one in for today. So you don't even know what it is. Okay. This is during the game. Yeah. Right during the game. (laughs) He said to me after the game, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. (laughs) So, so anyway, then he gets the job. He goes to Vegas. Uh, with Roly, we go to Vegas with Roly, and he he made he had a great line. I said, "How did how did Roly handle talk radio? How did and that that's was coming in then, you know, that was just starting to come in." And I said, "And and he wasn't doing real well in Vegas, you know." And then he took some money, you know, like uh, how do you get this money? You know, I mean, hey, you, everybody's looking for the bag. I understand that, but <laughs> he didn't do anything really illegal. But he did something that uh, a little untoward. That's all. You know? <laughs> and he got four or five hundred thousand more dollars. Good for him. That's how I look at it. But yeah. anyway, so Jay. Uh, uh, I said, how's he handle it? He said, Tommy, the only thing he knows going on out here is Sinatra songs and Dodger games. That's all we ever let him listen to in the car. (laughs) (laughs) So then he came back and got the Hofstra job and he was in our league. And, uh, and we were really boys at that time. And, and, you know, and again, my big thing was taking coaches out to dinner because really I, I I had a pretty good foothold on the, on the town. You know, I kind of, I kind of had my way. A little bit. A little bit. bit. uh, So anyway, I would take guys out. I would love doing it. And and for the most part, they love doing it too. If they got in in time, you know? And so he would say to me, Tommy, I'll go out with you anytime after the game. I don't like to go out before the game. I don't like it. I'm, I like to get ready. I'm, I said, well, you don't come on for God's sakes. I get to see you twice a year. We're supposed to be boys. I see you twice a year. And you won't go out to dinner with me? What the hell's wrong with you? He said, we're staying overnight. I'll go tomorrow. I promise I'll go tomorrow. So anyway, that was <laughs> you, you couldn't break him on that, huh? No, no, he would not. He would not bend on that. So oh. and then he, you know, and then he and they were they were getting better. They weren't great at the time, but they were getting better. And we always had good games and and uh, we really were close. And 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 then one time we beat him. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll never forget it. And he walked at, in my at office, your place or at his place? At, at our place. Our place. Well, I think we beat him like four straight at our place and lost to him four straight at their place, you know? Wow. So uh, a, a typical league thing, you know, yep, really. Yep, I mean, that yep. happens, that, that happens all the time. So anyway, we went, um, we had at halftime, there was some trouble because I, I got excited and I had a kid hit a three and I thought he hit it at the buzzer. So from my bench, I sprinted toward my locker room, which was foul line right on the other end, right? So, so, you- <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm 70 feet away from it for sure. So anyway, I start sprinting, right? And I start sprinting because the kid made the shot. Well, as it turns out, the ball comes in. Um, I think they might have had Speedy Claxton in. I'm not sure. But the ball comes in. 
And Speedy goes right by me on the dribble. Right by me. I'm going this way. He's going this way, right? No way. So, honest to God. FJ, honest to God. So now the um, uh, the half ends, you know, and he is irate. He's, he's going crazy. You're out and there so, on the court with Speedy. Yes, yes. He's nuts. And and so so anyway, uh, now there's a roar and a roar in the crowd and everybody's going crazy. And, uh, and so my assistant comes in. He said, you better get out there. So what do I got to get out there for? I didn't get a tee. I snuck by it. I, I didn't get out there. I'm going out there. We're starting to play again. He said, no, Jay's nuts. He's really upset. He's got all the officials out there. They're all... So I'm thinking, oh, God, this is the last thing I want to do. And uh, so I go walking back out, and he is screaming at this guy, Patey. His name was good guy, good guy. But he's getting after him, you know. And and, uh, and Patey is trying to maintain control. That's all. And the last thing he wants is me in there, right? The last thing he wants. Yeah. <laughs> And it's certainly the last thing Jay wants. So now, Beatty's going on and on, and I'm just kind of observing and hoping I don't have to say anything, you know. And uh, and and Beatty said, Jay, Jay, you just need to calm down. He said, we got a great game going on here. We got a great game. Now, and, he, and Jay said, oh, do we? Do we? Is that what we got going on here? A great game. And he turned to me and said, well, he might have to think it's a great game, and apparently you have to think it's a great game, but I don't think it's a great game. <laughs> I think we're getting screwed. <laughs> oh, my God. And I said, well, listen, I've had enough. I've heard enough. <laughs> yeah. I, so the game ends. We end up winning the game, and uh, and um, I'm sitting in my office, and uh, – he comes in. He comes to the door with his two thousand dollars suit and his, his beautiful, beautiful raincoat. I I did have a terrible man crush on him. That was that was part. Truth be told, and so he said, "I just hope that when I'm the dean of this damn league, I hope maybe I'll get an effing call once in a while." And I said to him, "Listen, you're upset now. I understand." <laughs> So you, <laughs> that's you fair. Home and get some rest. I'll call you tomorrow. We'll talk it out. We've always been boys. We've, I love him. Oh. I think he's the absolute best. I don't think there's anybody better. And to be happier for anybody it would be impossible to win a national championship like he did, you know, because he was oh. such a he's just such a great guy. And he has built that man. And I know in your world, uh, even more than, than coaching Tim, all that stuff is important, that day-to-day, that culture. And uh, culture yeah. is a word I never heard until 10 years ago, and now I hear it all the time. But yeah. for people that make guys better, for people that work guys out, for people that condition guys and listen to their stories, and th- th- that's a big deal. It's really a big deal. And he did that. He did that. And he he has, you know, and I think it just it just got to him, the NILs and, and that kind of stuff. He just didn't want to deal with that anymore. But but he could. He certainly could. There's no doubt he could. But but he just uh he was just I thought ahead of the head of the curve. I really did I really did think, you know, and I, what I do a lot of times I go down there. You know, and and my brother worked with him for a while. He was on his staff for 10 years as a counselor. And uh, so I'd go to a lot of games and he just had this way about him, you know, the way they did things, the way they approached things. And and I I just thought this guy is just a champion, man. He just just knows how to act. He knows what he wants. He has a plan. Uh, I I was just blown away by him. I always was. And, And then when he did what he did, it just it just affirmed, you know, what I had thought. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this incredible storytelling from the legendary coach Tom Brennan himself on the Basketball Strong Podcast. 
If you're new to the show, please go on to Apple Podcasts and smash that plus subscribe button so you can listen to previous episodes and never miss a new episode that we put out every Wednesday. In the second half of this conversation, Coach Brennan describes exactly how he built up the UVM men's basketball program from scratch. It wasn't all roses, but it turned out pretty special. Thanks so much for listening. Stay basketball strong. Take us into, Coach, the the transition. How do we? How do you get from Yale to UVM? What what was that like? And by the way, let me just. I think most listeners probably recognize this, but you certainly lived it. It wasn't like UVM was, you know, some destination job at the time. You made it that now, but uh, <laughs> but it wasn't then. Yeah, I should have stayed longer. As it turns out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and by the way, I say that as a as a as a native Vermonter, so I can't say that. Oh, uh, that's right, man. You got that's right. You got a card in this game. That's right. That's I it, baby. I said for, all right, yeah, right. Well, what happened was I was at Yale, and as you know, and uh, and my athletic director was a guy named Frank Bryan, and he was the quarterback for the Browns for last winter in Cleveland, winning quarterback in '64 or '65. And he went to Rice, and he was a PhD, and he was a math guy, and, and he was not a people guy. And uh, but you know he was the AD, so we we butted heads because I felt like he didn't give me what I needed, or didn't even listen to me, and those type of things. And and um, but that being said, we were getting better, and we had Dudley, and you know, and I knew we had a chance to be pretty good, and and so um, so I I just thought. You know, you, you got to make this work. You got to make this work with him. He's a pain in the neck, but um, you got to, you know, you, this is a good situation. You're a coach at Yale. And so, anyway, my friend was a hockey coach here at Vermont, Mike Gilligan, great guy. And he said to me, he said, uh, hey, they're changing their coach. They're changing the coach here. He said, I told him they should hire you. What the hell out of here? Hire me. I'm like, what am I going to do in Vermont? I ain't going to Vermont. You get me? I don't even think there are suits in Vermont. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that as a knock on you guys from Thetford. <laughs> hey, hey, we can take it. We're, 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 we're strong up there on that hill. <laughs> so anyway, so so Gilly says, come on up. Uh, you know, I've never really been to Vermont. We played him one time, but he said, it's great. I'm telling you, it's great up here. And you would love it. I said, come on, Mike, I mean, they ain't one ever, and they're no good now. And, you know, he said, well, I said, we ain't great where I am, but we're, we're, we're at least coming up the stairs a little bit, you know. And uh, he said, just come up for a couple of days. What do you got to lose? So so I, I called the AD back, and I said, all right, you know what? I, I, will, I would like to talk to you. I thought about it. I'd like to talk to you. So I woke up. I woke up. I drive up. I remember, it's April 10th or April 15th, something like that. It's snowing. Perfect. No, <laughs> boy, it's snowing. That's right. right. That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> so, so we had a great time. Church Street, we went crazy down there. And Gilligan was the king, of course, because hockey was so big and everybody knew him. And he was a very gregarious type. He was just a great guy. So I'm thinking to myself, you know what? This place ain't so bad. It ain't so bad, but uh, it's not for me. That's for sure. <laughs> So even I'm, after I'm, even after that, you're still thinking it's not yes, for me. Yes, sir. And I said, well, if I was a hockey guy, maybe, but not, no, no, not a basketball guy. So, so anyway, I'm getting ready to go. And the AD says to me, all right, we'd love to have you. I, uh, you know, he said, I trust Mike completely. And uh, he really speaks highly of you. And uh, never saying I didn't want the job or, you know, uh, and I said, well, I, I appreciate that. I said, but I can't. I got to go home. I can't, I can't just say yes right now. I, I just got to go back. I'd have to tell my kids at Yale and I, you know, there's a lot to be done before it would just become 
excuse me, become the Vermont coach. So he said, um, uh, well, I need to know as quickly as you can let me know. And I said, okay. So I thought at this point, I'm just going to go back down. Now I think I got a little leverage, right? So I go back down to New Haven. It was the night Roger Clemens struck out 20 for the first time. I'll never forget it. I wow. Uh, 89 to 91 or 91, yep. 89, whatever the hell it was. And, you know, and so, so I'm listening to that game and I'm thinking, man, this is, I think I got a lot of strikeouts. You know? <laughs> and the next thing you know, I go right up to Frank Ryan's house, right here on campus at Yale. And I knock on his door. It's about 10 o'clock, very late, very, you know, uh, obnoxious actually. And uh, <laughs> he comes to the door and he says, uh, uh, Tom, how can I help you? And uh, I said, we need to talk. And he didn't even say, come in. He just said, what about? And I said, and he was very dry and matter of fact, you know, I said, um, well, I've been offered the Vermont job. He said, I think you should take it. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> or five seconds, five seconds. That was my leverage battle. Lasted five seconds. <laughs> so I said, okay, fine. Boom. And so and I get here, I'm at the, uh, uh, the Sheraton right across the, on, on, Shelburne Road, Williston Road, right down from the gym, and it's the night before, and I'm thinking, what are you doing here? What in God's name are you thinking? I mean, God, you get pissed off at the guy. He didn't fire you. You know, I mean, you were at Yale. Why, why would you want to come to Vermont unless you had to? <laughs> I said, uh, you know, and then I started thinking about it a little more, and I said, well, you know one thing? They want you at Vermont. They want you there. They don't want you at Yale. It's obvious. He don't want you. And so I thought, so go with it, you know, go with it. So, so I did. And, and, um, and I just thought, well, you know, do the best you can, just get it a little bit better and then you can get out, you know, it'll be fine. No worries. Um, again, no disrespect to Thetford Academy, but weren't a lot of studs in Vermont in those days. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sir. We we weren't uh, cracking the, the top 100 recruit list on uh, on the Thetford Panthers. I can tell you that much right now. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> and, yeah, and you're yeah. right. And you're right. We weren't wearing any suits either. <laughs> uh, but it turned out. You know, you want to make God smile, tell him your plans. And uh, it worked out so perfectly for me. Now, it took a long time. but I, I And you know what's really interesting now, Tim, is that I was here for 19 years. We weren't good. We were getting better now. I'm not saying we, we sucked. Uh, beginning, we struggled. But then we started to get better. We'd have, you know, 15 and 11, 16 and 10, you know, 11 and 14. You know, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. And it wasn't really where we wanted to go. We had Tony Ossieri. Uh, remember the great yep. Tony Ossieri was a yep. St. J Academy. Uh, yep. 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 And, and so, but I just thought, you know, you just got to do it incrementally. And that, that was the attitude I took. And I look at that, at that wall behind you. And I think that was it. That was me. That was me. I, I was putting one brick in the wall a day, one a day, just keep putting it in there. And pretty soon you'll get it built. And uh, you know, so it, it just, it, it just really kept me going. But I, I'll tell you too, I never, never thought for a minute, that I was going to get fired or not right away. I didn't, you know, I mean, not in, a, but we didn't win for the first four years and the first two, we were really struggling. And, uh, but I never thought, never part of my plan or what I had to do or what I had to get better at was trying to save my job. I never, honest to God, I never ever thought about that. Not wow. for a minute. And and I think it was true. I think, and my boy would say, listen, we don't, we only had X amount of scholarships. We didn't have any budget, we, that kind of stuff, you know, and, and you know, as coaches and, and in your position, you've heard them all. We all cry. We all cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure the Laker coach said he didn't have enough. But anyway. No doubt. No. <laughs> so, so, 
but that being said, I just, I loved it here. I loved it here. I just thought it was really, really great place to be. I love where I live. I remember the first time I, I had to go give a talk uh, and um, I went down to, oh, you know all about this. My God. I went down to Waterbury and um, sure. made a left going into uh, Stowe. You okay. know, yep. Route 100. And, yep. uh, One road in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there you go. And so, so I looked, uh, I finally looked up on the hill and, and there was a Holiday Inn. So I knew that's where I had to go. So I got in there and I said to the guy, you know, this is the first Holiday Inn I ever had to go to that I didn't get a sign somewhere telling me where it was. I said, that really surprised me. And he said, are you new in Vermont? I said, that's where I am, <laughs> about three days. And he said, we don't have billboards in Vermont. I said, get the <laughs> hell out of here. He said, nope, not allowed. And I thought to myself, well, we might suck, but I'm coaching in the coolest damn place in the country. No billboards. How cool is that? <laughs> and uh, and oh, as man. it turns out, it was no billboards and no wins for a couple of years. But <laughs> Well, coach, take take us into those first couple of years. And and obviously, you've, you've got your you know, your feet wet with the whole head coaching thing at Yale and a different situation up there. But you mentioned uh, not a lot of wins for the, for the first four and particularly scarce maybe the first two, but yet you're starting to put the bricks in the wall. So what were some of those first couple of bricks in, the, in that first row off the ground? Well, uh, you know, just at that point, really understanding what I had and uh, and really maintain maintaining relationships with them. You know, uh, I always thought, and I, I'm not saying this to knock my kids. I'm saying it to knock me. It's that, uh, and the schedule you got, you know, you can't put a Clydesdale in the, uh, in the Kentucky Derby and then shoot him when he loses, you know? Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's pretty, he looks like he, he looks like he belongs, but, but at can't that point it. he doesn't belong, you know? So, so I knew that I, I knew that we had a job on our hands, but again, fellas, I can't overstate, enough uh how confident i was that i really didn't have to worry about getting fired unless i did something stupid which as you know tim i was perfectly capable of my reputation <laughs> precedes me in the queen city but but anyway i just knew just stay on track and and they're going to give you a lot of chance to do this they're going to give you a long time and um and they did and god bless them they did and and we were getting incrementally better and then i was um you know, I was, you know, for lack of a better word, I was good in the community. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I mean, I was, a, I was a citizen of the university and a citizen of the community. My boy advised me on that. I took it and ran with it. I always love that. And so so I did have I, I did have people really rooting for me, you know, but it's not like we were getting crowds. And, and like like as Phil said, this was not some sleeping giant waking to be uh, waiting to be awakened. Uh, this was like get a little bit better and you yeah. can get out, you know. And, and then and I did have a couple opportunities to leave to be an assistant somewhere. But I just thought at that point, you know, I like being a boss. And uh, and then and then, of course, we started winning and then we got copper wraps and, uh, you know, so the whole thing just rolled. It was it was absolutely lightning in a bottle. There's no doubt about that. But I do believe that I worked hard at it. I worked hard at relationships. I worked hard at saying you need to be proud. I don't care if we won five games. You know, you busted your ass for me. You know, you played hard every day. We got out matched a few times. I got out coached all the time and I'm not beating myself up. So don't you dare beat yourself up. And, and, <laughs> and then we just, you know, and then we just kept getting better and, and guys would come back and, you know, and, and I could, I could really feel it. fellas, that it was building, you know, it was building a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't great. And then I had a dear, dear friend in the league, Rudy, 
uh, was that main Rudy Keeling. And uh, we were we were boys, very close. And, and he said to me one day, I'm going to save you from all this. And I said, why? And he said, I'm going to get the Marquette job. I said, you are? Good for you, man. That's great. And he said, yeah, I want you to go with me. I said, oh man, well, thank you. That's that's very flattering, you know. But uh, no, I, no, I don't, I don't. I'm, I'm here, man. I ain't going. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere as an assistant. He said, Tommy, you, you know, you're stuck, man. You're stuck. You know, you're a good guy. You can do things, but you know, you're you're stuck. You're not going to go very far there. You're just not going to happen. And he had every right to say that because it was most likely true. And um, I said, yeah, I know, Rudy, I know, but I, I, I like it. I like being a boss. I like calling the shots. I like doing what I'm doing. So he said, all right, all right. He said, well, I'll bring you out in three years when you get fired. (laughs) (laughs) Little uh, little did he know. Little did he know. Little did he know. Oh, my gosh. And what made it neat was that when we finally did get good, uh, we had a a million people that lied and and said they were there in the beginning. From the start. We yeah, were here from the start. And I'm thinking, you know, I was there. I know all 900 of you who were there. Yeah. Tell me that. Uh, but, but it really was neat because what happened was, fellas, that we just had, we did have, we, we became kind of a phenomenon, especially yeah. with Copperath, you know, and especially with the radio show. You know, I called the other coaches up at six in the morning when we were playing them, all that, you know, all kind of crazy stuff. And But it all blew up. It all became so big. And the radio show was, was crazy. It was just crazy. So, uh, and and I, I think about this. I said, "How many? I bet nobody. How many guys in the history of Division One basketball won three straight championships and did a five thirty to nine radio drive time show every morning in those three years? You know, zero. You can't, you can't make it up, right? So anyway, and I and I remember, I remember this fellas. My brother was a morning guy down in uh, Mobile, Alabama, and he said to me, he said, Tommy, I think you can pull this off. I really do," he said. "But one thing you could never do," he said. "You never let people know that you're tired all the time." And he said, "And you are going to be tired all the time because you get up at four thirty every day. And what happens is sometimes you can't get to sleep as quick as you need to, so you don't get all the sleep you need. Now you're in the now you go in the office at nine o'clock, and uh, and and now you go the whole day. You know, I take a nap at noon. I close the door at noon and take a nap till one o'clock, but." But you're always tired. You always are tired, and oh. you never catch up, you know. But it didn't matter. We were we we had it going, and we were we were getting good at the same time. That the show was getting popular, and it, it all just it just all fell into one beautiful bundle. Oh man, did it ever! So, how would you describe your? Obviously, I I get why the recruiting for you. Pete Carrill goes into a, a, a living room and sits next to mom and dad. And I, I, you know, from what I see of his little bit, I don't know, maybe it's fair and, and, and respectful enough to say crusty uh, approach um, versus yours. I see why you go into a living room and things work out pretty damn nicely a lot of the times, but um, uh, take us into that. You mentioned a really embarrassing recruiting story at UVM oh, and uh, but then take us into how you started to have an eye to, to bring some players. Um, and then I want to get into cop and wrath because whether you saw that coming or not. Right. Okay. Well, um, you know, we just kind of stayed with it. And I had, uh, I had a uh, good assistants that worked hard and, uh, and, and got us in a lot of people's homes and, and uh, recruited some good, we recruited some good players. And then, and what we did, one of the things we did fellows was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. In my, in my time at, um, uh, Vermont, I had fewer point guards than I did presidents. 
And uh, our philosophy was we're going to give the guy the ball for four years. We're going to try to find the very best guy we can and convince him that maybe, maybe you should go someplace else. Maybe you should go to Rhode Island as opposed to Vermont, or maybe you should go to Providence as opposed to Vermont, if you're that good, you know? But the point is, you come here, start from the beginning, and as long as you don't give me the ball back, I never take it away from you. Wow. That's how we're going to do it. And and, and as soon as you say yes, we're not recruiting anybody else, um, and we're not recruiting anybody, and next year or the year after for that position, when you're a senior, we'll recruit another one and say, we want you to become the next David Roach or TJ or whoever it might be. And it just worked for us. And and we did continue to get better. And uh, and then we had Eddie Benton, who was crazy, averaged 25 a game, won the Koozie Award. And uh sure. you know, so so we got to be we got to be um watchable then, really watchable. And and then with the radio show, I mean, you're talking to people in the morning and you see them at, at, at seven o'clock. You know, I had guys come up to me and say, Where are we going after the game? I didn't hear you say it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Take this into Coppenrath, because I don't I don't know <laughs> I mean I don't know if that was something you saw coming or what. Actually no. Uh he was uh you know we don't have again I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. I understand that. <laughs> But, right. you know, we had a kid named Sheftick from Essex who was really good. And when we, yes. we when we thought we got when we got him, we thought he's it. He's the next it guy. And, and he's going to get us the next level. I don't know if we go in championship with him or not, but but he's a good piece to start with, you know. And um, and then the next year, Cottonrath was a senior in high school, you know. So I, I saw him. I went and saw him play. Uh, against Sheftick, uh, when Sheftick was a senior and Taylor was a junior. And, um, and uh, you know, they battled. It was, uh, you know, it was like, okay. Uh, and and we got one of these guys, and I'm glad we do, and I think he's the best of the two. Uh, but I'd certainly take the other guy. He's a Vermont kid. He's 6'10". Uh, you know, well, why not? You know, and, and uh, obviously you want to build from within if you can. Uh, yeah. and, and my goal was always to get five Vermont left-handers. That was my dream. I never could make it, but anyway. Wow. <laughs> So, <laughs> there, there was probably only four at a time in the, uh, that, that were. That. <laughs> That's it. I should have prefaced that by saying there probably weren't five lefties in the whole state at the time. But, uh, but anyway, when we got him, we got and and so the rule was, uh, and his father was involved. His father was pretty involved, and you know, and I, I, I that wasn't uh, that didn't make things any easier for me. You know, well, I yeah. understand that there had to be a place for him and all that. But anyway. Uh, so we said, I said to them, I said, what I really want to do is I want a red shirt Taylor. Uh, I think it's, I think it'll really help him. Uh, we do have another big guy who's only a year ahead of him, uh, who I think is a real good player. And, uh, and I think Taylor can become a real good player, but I just think the year will, will help him amazingly. Now, I didn't know he would become Taylor Cobbenrath or he could become Taylor Cobbenrath, but I knew he could be pretty good. So they said, fine, we're all, we're all for it. Okay. So that year, uh, uh, we end up losing like 10 games in a row when we sat him out. So now we're in the, and we, you know, who's our boy, Tom Crowley, Tom Crowley was on our staff and, uh, and he worked with Taylor relentlessly over on the side. I can remember it vividly working with him and working with him and working with him. And, and then he come, you know, and I'm watching practice. So I don't, and I don't, I don't even know if he's that good to be honest with you. So, <laughs> so anyway, I got to worry about this year's team who's lost 10 in a row. Right. Yeah, so right. anyway, uh, so now I'm saying to my assistants, now I go watch him a little bit and we put him in a scrimmage and I'm thinking, what, what are we doing here? Are you, we got to play this guy. Got to play him. Are you kidding me? 
He's the best player we got. And, and he said, no, no. I mean, they fought me. My sister fought me. No, 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 no. You can't do it. You can't do it. It just makes no sense now. We've already 12 games in. You know, why would you even think about doing it? Why? Because we lost all our games and he's the best player <laughs> in the building and I'm not playing him. That's why I would do it. And so anyway, we, we kept him out. It was obviously the greatest decision ever, ever made in the history of University of Vermont basketball. And, uh, and he was a star right from the jump. You know, he was a great player right from the beginning and uh, uh, rookie of the year and three times, you know, we can go on and on about his awards. He won sure. more, but, uh, and just a wonderful guy, easy guy to coach. And, uh, and he and Sheftick were very, very good together. Uh, that, and in our first championship, I saw Phil had something, excuse me, where Dave Hain made a jumper and was that who it was supposed to be for. And actually it was supposed to be for Sheftick. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Play, t- take uh, us inside that 22. coach. Was that, was that the BU game? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and Sheftick had it going. He had about 20 or 22 points. So we ran this cut where um, uh, we would get the ball to Hain and and then cop him around with post off. And, and, and then I would say, it's all bullshit, Tommy. If he makes it, you're a hero. If he misses it, you get fired. <laughs> Good old Raph, baby. Good old Raph. <laughs> and he got the ball and uh, looked into Coppenrath, who they had kind of double teamed. They had fronted him back. So there was, you know, so he just shot it. And I, I was thrilled that he shot it. It didn't bother me because I knew he was a good player. And I, he had made shots for us before. And he was only a sophomore, which made it even more impressive. And and, and that was it. And, and our world changed. My world changed. Uh, uh, unbelievably, at least until until Syracuse. <laughs> so this is wow. coaches. This two thousand and three um, America yes, East Conference. Yep. And yes, so it was, and it, and it was at BU, which made it even BU better as well. And yeah. you know what? Another story. My brother, uh, who was a big shot executive in the fur industry, a good friend of Peter's, you might believe, right? Got <laughs> 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 his house painted and stuff. But other than that, uh, he was <laughs> doing very well. And and he bought me a um, Armani suit. It was about twenty four hundred dollars. And. Yeah, I said, and we were on uh, Newberry Street. I remember it was that. It was uh, right before we played BU, you know. And uh, so we're riding down Newberry Street to go to the game to go to BU, and uh, and there was uh, an Armani store there. And he said, "Tommy, we got to do something here." He said, uh, "You win this game, you go to the tournament. Uh, 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 no, you win this game, you get to the finals." This was before the semifinals. And he said, "I'm buying you an Armani suit." I'm buying it. I said, oh, all right, my boy, we win the game. So we come down to Boston to play on Saturday. We come down on Friday. My suit is all ready. It's just it's like I walk in. I'm in a sweatsuit. I walk in Armani like, yo, I'm Ooh. on the team bus. We got the team bus parked outside. I'm going in Armani to get a suit. <laughs> <laughs> so then when the game was going on, I watched the tape a bit later, and uh, uh, the guy that was doing the color is still doing it. He's a great guy. Bob, somebody used to coach at uh, at Rutgers. I, I'll never forget him. And he was we were right around, he ran around the same age. And uh, but he's done the uh, he's done games forever. And he said, uh, "Well, uh, it's a shame Brennan got that Armani suit because he's sweating right through it." <laughs> <laughs> hey, felt good to have it on, though. Yeah, that's exactly right. We'll get it cleaned. Don't worry, oh, buy me another uh, one. <laughs> obviously, we get to to year three, which is probably the one people remember, and it could be because you got a film crew following you around. So, or, this point, or the one I'd rather talk about for sure. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what, Phil? We were one of the first people. That happens all the time now. They do it to everybody in the locker room, in the 
you know, following them around on Big Ten. Uh, everybody does it, but we were one of the very first. Yeah, t- talk to it. So before we get into the ins and outs of what's going on in the hardwood, take us into that. How did it come about? Um, what was it like? When was it good? When was it maybe not so good? And maybe a, a story or two from that, that, that time, maybe okay. things that were left on the cut, cutting room floor or something that made it in. There was one instance uh, where I was doing fine. I was having no problems with the camera and, and the guys were good guys and they, they, you know, they weren't trying to stab anybody in the neck. They were, they were really good guys. And and so, so we're playing at Albany and um, it's a, it's a pretty big game. I mean, we're, we're comfortably ahead, but it's a big game. Um, I'm sorry. We're not, we're ahead in the league. We're ahead in the league by a game or two. And, um, and so they are tapping us out. They are just kicking our butt. And uh, so at, at the half, it's 16. And, uh, and I thought to myself, uh, man, I've never you're really, down, you're down 16 at the half you're down 16. You, you, and you have okay. to, you have to remember, uh, um, what's the guy on, uh, what's the guy on television, the, the happy coach from, uh, from England, uh, that they do to, you know, he, he's a comedian in America and he, they, he does, he oh. does the show. He, yeah. Are you talking about Ted Lasso, the soccer show? Ted or? Lasso. Yeah. Ted Lasso. I was the original Ted Lasso. You go walk and watch Ted Lasso. That was TV. That's who TV was. So anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm ready to walk in and I am smoking, man. I am. I'm thinking now we're going to lay down now. You know, I, I refer. And again, I got seniors. I got guys that, that know what's going yeah. on. You know, I don't have to whip them. You know, they know what's going on. But anyway, but I was just pissed. And I thought we didn't give good effort. And, you know, and I just thought. And, and again, as a coach, you scared. You get scared about falling off the cliff. You know, you're doing fine. And next thing sure. you know, you've fallen over, you know. And so I, I didn't, you know, you're always perpetually afraid of that, of that happening. You know, you never sure. want that So anyway, so I'm thinking, all right, that's good. I said, I haven't, I haven't jacked them around in a long time. So maybe now is the time to do it. <laughs> so I go, I go walking in there and, uh, and so, you know, it's Albany, a half-ass locker room, real, you know, just regular lockers for that students go to when they change for gym class. You know, it's not a, not a nice place where, you know, man, I know I had no expectations that would be, I mean, you know, it's a visiting locker room. You know, what do you, what do you think you're getting lounge chairs? So anyway, so I'm <laughs> lost trying to get to my team and all of a sudden the guy comes around the corner with the camera and he just shoots it right at me. I mean, he just, starting to take my picture waiting for me to say something and then i just thought to myself no no tb nope not a good time to rip them not a good time you have this beautiful image of what's happening here most of it is 100 accurate uh don't be a tough guy don't get crazy show them what a strong ass coach you are and all that and just just gather yourself here let's get figure this out you know and uh and it's exactly what i did i just said well this is a this is a big surprise huh Nobody can believe this. And I said, thank God we got 20 more minutes to go. I didn't think for a minute we were going to win. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I said, we got 20 minutes to go. And uh, and we just got to make this right. And we got to make it right two by two. And we're better than them. And we're the champs. And uh, and that's all. And that's our job. So let's go. And we did. We, we came back and got them. But uh, I was, no and, 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 but, but seriously, fellas, had, had the cameras not been there, I would have raised hell at, at that halftime. And I don't think I'd have been wrong, you know? But uh, Right. And, but who, my who knows one. how that... You Good thing for that camera, Coach. Uh, oh, we got time one. for all your favorites. Uh, this, one, this, one, this is a great one. So Go. what I used to do, and 
thanks to my lovely life, my lovely wife Lynn, who was always a big part of it. Uh, when we'd go to certain places, Hartford, Hofstra, Baltimore, uh, they had Ruth Chris restaurants. Again, another Ooh. place being the big shot that you are. I know you're familiar with. I know Ooh. they didn't have one in Thetford, but I know. <laughs> we had so, to go outside the state lines for the for the first time I had Ruth Chris. Let me tell you something. Uh, so anyway, so we take them all the time. They love it. It's a beautiful thing. And uh and but the only rule is it's so damn expensive, you know, that uh you couldn't get um you could get an appetizer, but the appetizer you could get for two or three people. You know, that's how they did it there. No dessert, yeah. absolutely no dessert. No, no, no <laughs> uh, so and and so that's what we did, you know. So and they loved it, and it was neat. Became a talking point, and, and you know that kind of stuff. So now uh, we're playing at Binghamton, and uh, on Thursday, and two nights later we're playing at Baltimore, and so so anyway, we're 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 slumbering around a little bit. We're not, not doing great. Uh, there's about ten minutes to go, and uh, and we had a timeout, and. Um, uh, Binghamton called a timeout, and um, but they were up. They were up a couple, but not, not scary. But anyway, they were in charge at the time, and so my team comes over, and I said, "You know what? I was just thinking, uh, they got a Ruth Chris in Baltimore, and uh, you know what? We've already been to Ruth Chris, but if you get this one for me, you get this one for me, I will." Thank you, Ruth Chris, on Saturday or on Friday. Lord again. <laughs> so we win the game. We win the game. And uh, now we're going to Ruth Chris. And I'll never forget, we're about two minutes to go. And uh, we had, we were up seven or eight. And we were coming down to shoot a free throw. You know, the game was basically over. And one of my boys was skipping by me going, Ruth Chris tomorrow. Ruth Chris tomorrow. <laughs> so now, oh, man. So now we go to Ruth Chris and I tell John Feinstein, who, who had been following us himself, uh, uh, you know, uh, and uh, Feinstein, for those that don't know, wrote the book on Bobby Knight, you know, and and is a right. revered sports writer around the country. We got to be boys. And, and so so anyway, he said, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. He said, but I can be back in time for dinner. I said, we'd love to have you come to dinner. Yes, we're rolling. We got another big win. Please come to dinner with us, you know, and uh, which I learned from Raph, of course. <laughs> and so, uh, of so course. anyway, uh, yeah. So, so anyway, so now he comes in, we're all there and he comes in and, um, and, um, and then Maitre D says to him, Hello, Mr. Feinstein. How are you tonight? And he said, I'm great. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with these boys over here. He pointed over to our tables and he said, I'm with these boys over here. And so the guy said, Oh, that's wonderful. Please uh, go be seated. And he said, and by the way, uh, we have that peach cobbler that you love. We got it tonight. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, 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 no. We don't get peach cobbler. That's not in our area, you know? <laughs> so anyway, he starts walking over. Honest to God, Tim, like, Ten guys are just like staring at me, like no dessert, no dessert. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You can get dessert. You can get dessert. <laughs> so now we do the pregame, and they come back in. I said, uh, uh, I said, listen, I got to talk to you guys. Now there's like ten minutes to go before the game starts, right? So I got, I got, I got to talk to you guys. This is very serious. And uh, I said, you know, I asked you to do me a big favor on Thursday, and you did it. And I love you for it. And I appreciate it. And then I did you a big favor on Friday. Okay. But 
but that dessert is $800 extra, okay? I, and that means the bill was 1800 instead of 1200 okay? Or 10000 whatever. And I said, and I got a lovely wife, and I'm crazy about her, and she's thrilled to be a part of the team, but I am not going to be able to sell her uh, uh, $1,200, $1,800 on, on a split. That ain't going to happen. I might be able to sell 900 to win. I might be able to sell that. But let's not fool around and take your business. I got to go back to her. All right? <laughs> <laughs> we, won by a point. we won by a point. It was like, no way. No way. <laughs> just a dream year. Uh, and then we were in the airport. Uh, we were in the airport. And, my, and Hayne, my, one of my loves of my life, Hayne says, uh, my SID said, Coach, uh, you want to be commissioner? I said, commissioner? He said, yeah, the commissioner just resigned. I said, no kidding. And uh, I'll never forget, we're in the airport waiting, Mary. And I said, Bose, I'm trying to work less, not more. And Hayne was reading the paper. He pulled it right down in front of his face and said, Come on, man. Be hard for you to work less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And really, by that time, seriously, by that time, it was their team. It was their yeah. team. They've been four-year starters, three-year starters. You know, I mean, they and, they, and we all got along well. We, you know, we just, it was just a perfect, perfect kind of year. And, uh, uh, you know, and then, of course, it, it culminated with the Syracuse. So get us into the, so get us into the, how, how, how are we uh, getting to Syracuse here and, and, uh, what leads up to that? Well, by that time, we were really good. We were really good. And I remember telling him at the beginning of the year, we played North Carolina, uh, I forget, in Kansas maybe, you know. And and I, I remember saying to him, you know what, we can beat one of these teams. We, we certainly can. I'm, I think we're good enough to beat one of these teams. But if we beat the first one we play, we ain't beating the second one. Just understand that, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's be honest. And we went out to Kansas and played our tails off. We played great. And this is how about this for a hell of a story? So we're going back and forth. They got Wayne Simeon and a couple of guys I'm stuck on right now. But it's a great game, and um, and it's uh, back and forth, and and it's well officiated, and it's officiated somewhat differently. Uh, Tim, as you know, because uh, it's the big leagues now, you know, we don't play yeah. people like this every day, you know, and we're in Lawrence, not only, not only we're in Lawrence at, at the right. Mecca, you know, so, right. so anyway, um, and it was good, it was good, and and we were going back and forth and back and forth, and Copperrath, who I'll go expound on a little bit later, but he went up, and he got clobbered, he just got clobbered, and there was no call, you know, and so I, you know, I, I didn't say anything, and I'm thinking, you know, that's, you know, this is the big leagues, you know, you're playing against a big 12 team. you got to go stronger. you got to, you know, all the things right. you say. And uh, so then we come down the other end, and um, and a little, uh, Simeon takes a shot, and the guy hits him, you know, like just taps him on the arm, and they call the foul, you know. And it was late in the game, and I was really proud of my behavior, and um, uh, I didn't want to ever embarrass myself in that situation, you know, but I remember getting up. And like lean, and I had two assistants, and I like leaned right in the middle of them. Like I had my head between each of their shoulders, and I said, Oh, this is bull. I said, Here we go. Here we go now. Now, all of a sudden, now the whistle's going to blow. And there was a guy sitting in the second row, Tim, and he was just as calm as he could be. And he said, Hey, coach, 
You didn't think we were going to give you 50000 and the calls, too, did you? <laughs> I was so, it made me laugh right out loud. I, I had to put my head in the shoulder of one of my assistants. I thought, how true is this? How perfect is this? And, uh, and I will never say we got a bad whistle. We did not get a bad whistle. And that call kind of got me going a little bit. But that being said, uh, and then we went to North Carolina and lost by about 100. <laughs> So oh, anyway, man. but it was great. It was the whole thing. There's so many great experiences. Yeah. Well, and then, okay, like so then games, we get to yeah. the next year we were loaded. We were really, really good. We beat everybody. We beat everybody pretty handily. And uh, and in the championship game, excuse me, I remember Tom Rath had, I don't know, he had more points than Maine. He had 28, they had 23. It was one of those, one of those <laughs> big and glorious nights, you know. And uh, and I used to say, how about, and again, I, I'm saying this for you because I know you'll appreciate it. I said, how many people in, in uh, uh, Marsville or wherever uh, where I was from wake up in the morning and realize They've sired Seabiscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Ride them all the way home, oh, baby. Oh man! So uh, and then I and then I remember his senior his senior year his last game. He was so quiet. He was so quiet. I took him out to uh, to eat when I was recruiting him, and he didn't say five words. And the chef quit right in the middle of when we sat down there. So we kept waiting and waiting and the lady was getting another chef. Copperhead didn't say a word. I didn't stop talking. And it just was, it was painful. It was painful for both. <laughs> so anyway, we had a great, great career. We had a great career together. And, and so the last day, the last night, I mean, they were handing out towels when people came in. That's how, cause everybody was going to cry, you know, on senior night, it was just going to be unbelievable. Right. And, uh, and, and I just kept saying what these guys have done. I just can't wait. I'm going to walk out the side and just wait for the roar when they come out the door. I, I want to hear that, you know, and that, that is one of the things in my life I want to hear. I was so pumped about the game and the last regular season game. And, and so he comes up to me in the locker room and he says, uh, uh, hey, uh, I need to talk to you for a second. I said, okay, okay, no problem. Uh, and he said, can we go over here? I said, sure, yeah. There was a little old room off the locker room. I said, sure, no problem. And I'm thinking, you know, all right, the guy ain't talked much in four years, but here it comes. You know, I know now he's going to say, oh, I love you. I can't thank you enough. I know. <laughs> so we get there. We get there, and he said, you know what? I said, what? He said, I'm not really feeling that good. I said, what did you say? He said, uh, you know, I just I just don't feel like good. I said, do you think I care? You think I care one effing second that you don't feel like good? I said, I'm sorry. Too bad. I said, there's 3,200 people out there waiting for you to play good. They don't give a damn how you feel. Okay? Let's go. You don't feel good. I was, I oh, I was my God. <laughs> oh, and then when oh. they went out there, that roar was unbelievable. And I thought, well, that's got to make them feel a little better. That's for sure. I was going to say, I bet yeah, you feel you know. pretty good right now. Yeah, oh, my gosh. He doesn't open his mouth for four years, and then he talks <laughs> to you there. So wow. wonderful oh times, wonderful God. times. You guys, I, I can't tell you how much you guys are delighting me today. This has just been so much fun. Oh my! Well, then we're both we're all winning. I'm telling you right now, we, this is uh, you're delighting us right back, sir. <laughs> Keep us going, Phil. Keep us going. Okay. Phil. Yeah. All right. So now, so now we're playing Syracuse, right? And um, so because of the radio show, uh, you know, I call up Bayheim, and um, 
And he di- he didn't want to do it. I, I heard that he didn't want to do it, but he agreed to do it. And uh, but he didn't do it with a good attitude. That's for sure. You know, it's a morning radio show. It's drive time. It's have fun, bust balls, be you know, do what you you know, have a good time. And uh, so anyway, um, I said, "Well, good morning, my friend." And he went, "Your friend? When did we become friends?" And I'm thinking, "No, <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I know he's absolutely right. We never did become friends, but I thought just a kind of a generic term." <laughs> sure. And, Come on. So, so anyway, it didn't work. You know, it, it didn't go well. It went okay, but it, it didn't go well. He wasn't comfortable. He wasn't enjoying it. He, uh, I imagine he was a little bit nervous about playing us. That had to enter his mind a bit. You know, I mean, hell, anybody, anytime you're playing an NCAA game, you can get beat. So, mm-hmm. um, but they had just won the Big East, so they were, and they were great. It wasn't a great Syracuse team, but anyway, uh, they had just won the Big East. So that was that was a little tense. I didn't think I thought that could have gone a little better, but again, he's him and I'm me, and that's how you go. And when I got on ESPN, he used to say every time they talked to him, Brennan should send me a check every time they put him on on stage. They said he should send me a check. <laughs> so so now now we play okay we play the game and it's not a good game it's not a good game at all Mo Pagila was out of his mind we had a kid uh remain Mo Pagila and he shot eight, eight for nine or nine for ten and, and I said and you know you've been in on bench a hundred times he, he he went nine for ten eight of them we didn't want him to take <laughs> all right no 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 yes that. no no yes all right. So, so anyway, so he was brilliant. He was brilliant and we, and we got it, but it was, a, it was a terrible game. I mean, it was a, not a good game of 22, 19 at the half, uh, 50 to 50 at the end, you know, it just wasn't. Uh, and I was disappointed. I was really disappointed because I really, really knew, especially as it was going on, I knew we could win. I mean, I'm thinking that yeah. they're not, you know, not playing that well, but I was so sad because we weren't playing that well, you know, we weren't doing much. And uh, so anyway, uh, it gets near the end and, and, uh, and Sorrentino said shot and, uh, uh, and we win, you know, we win. So, uh, so I shake his hand real quickly and, and that's it because you know, in those situations, you don't have time to linger, you know, you just get in and get out. Plus, especially uh, with him, you know, he's not the greatest loser <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> to put so it diplomatically. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, I'm thinking, uh, I hope that I get to the press conference before him so no chairs get thrown. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm killing the guy now. That's not right. He, you know, he, he's a good guy. And, and by the way, I love his kids. It's both his kids. I've been on with the ACC network a couple of times. They are delightful. I, I said, that, you think your daddy was Ozzie and Harriet. That's who I, <laughs> So anyway, so then we win a game and uh, uh, we're going, we're in St. Louis and I had retired. And, and so we're on our way to St. Louis to the final four. And, you know, inevitably at the final four, you always bump into everybody. I mean, everybody, you know, so, so anyway, he's coming down the street toward me and, um, I'm thinking, well, you know, that's all. Just, just say hello. You know, what are you going to do? And so, I he gets about five steps from me, and he says, "Well, Mister Effin, happy coach, are you still happy?" I said, "Jimmy, Jimmy, you're going to Hall of Fame, man. I'm going back to the farm. It was, it was one <laughs> win." <laughs> so anyway, you you had uh, tipped me off before the show about a, a question you were going to zero in on about uh, Jerry Hall of Famer Jerry Tarkanian <laughs> before the game, and and I'd like you to pitch it because I am I am fascinated for this answer. Okay, I went on a Nike, I went on a Nike trip with Tark to uh, to La Jolla. 
you know, you know, just just where I belonged, big time Tommy Brennan at La Jolla. And uh, hey, that's not a bad part of the world for anyone that's oh never been God, there. Huh? So Tark is there. Tark is there, of course, because he's Nike's champion at that point. He and John Thompson, they were they were it. And uh, and so. Um, but they were paying a lot of guys, Valvano, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, they were paying a lot of guys and they were paying me and I was at Yale. And, um, and I remember, uh, I do remember Sonny saying this to me one day, listen, uh, we're not going to be able to pay. And that's first when that stuff first started coming out where they'd give you shoes and bags and warm ups and things. That, that was, that, that didn't happen in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. It just didn't happen much. When I got to Yale, Sonny got with me and he said, we want you in the program uh, and we can't pay you much but we're going to pay a few bucks and you got to wear our shoes and done. No problem. Right. So then when, um, then they took me on a trip, they took me on a couple trips and, um, and that was so great because you could, especially the guys that didn't play golf, they were always by the pool and you could hang with them and just kind of weave your way in there a little bit, you know? And I remember he told a story about a kid on his team and he said, uh, he said, uh, somebody was stealing from our, team. And he said, I was very upset about it. And, uh, and he said, so I sat him all around the table. He said, I knew it had to be a guy on the team. And I was pretty sure I knew who it was. Uh, but I wanted to make him admit to it. And he said, I got everybody in a circle. And I started talking. I said, is it the most despicable thing in the world you can do to steal from a teammate? And he said, and every guy said, yes, coach, it's despicable. Except one, he said, "A man got to do what a man got to do." <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that worked. Oh, and I said, "I do." I, I know this guy is Robin Hood. He robs from the rich and gives to the poor. But <laughs> I like him, man. I like him. So <laughs> anyway, I had no big relationship with him, but but it just, uh, but he was just such a good guy like that, you know. I mean, as much as people want to hate him, that so many people wanted to love him too, you know, because he right. was, a, you know, he was who he was. He never tried to change who he was you know he ended up getting money from the ncaa right he won money at the end god bless him and right. so so anyway he calls me and um it's like tuesday night we're playing on friday and he said tommy tark so i said somebody's messing you know somebody's messing with me here for sure and i said yeah what's up and he said i know how to beat that zone i said who is this <laughs> he said it's tark i told you what <laughs> i said tark <laughs> Oh, Tark, sorry, man. I'm so, so glad to hear from you, man. I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored. He said, yeah, I know you're playing Syracuse, and I'm just telling you. And and back then, fellas, there was no, like now, every Syracuse game is on. every, And it's been right. on for 10 years, right? Back then, there was none of that. There was one game a week, big Monday, whatever. And yep. so nobody kind of knew the tricks of, of the zone. Nobody knew exactly how. You know, we all had ideas about what to do. and uh, But he was saying, you got to do this. You got to get to a high post, then to the short corner gotta move it quickly you know what i mean but he was really giving me a clinic and I, I thought this is so nice of this guy to do that you know i mean i, I thought it was just great and uh uh so i said well coach I, I appreciate it very much and he said uh he said well i'm gonna watch and i'm telling you you do what i'm telling you you're gonna win that game <laughs> i said okay i appreciate it and uh and we did win it it was kind of neat <laughs> unbelievable that yep. that that is uh what a story that wow. is hey, hey coach i have to um kind of imagine um, as you tell this story about uh, that time and how magical it was and, and kind of how it got put together. Um, you mentioned a couple of times 
that you just had, it was very nice to know that you never sort of felt like, okay, my head's on the chopping block here. And it gave you maybe some of this freedom to kind of just take your time and put the right bricks in place and let them come together. If it didn't go perfect, okay, we reconfigure, we push this over here and we've got time to work with. But I look at today's landscape and I don't, I don't see that happening anywhere. I mean, do you, do you feel like that exists at all now in, in how sort of intense the coaching carousel is? And do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Because you could look at even, you know, even this year and, and seeing how these great wins from a, a 16 seed, it, it projects a coach into their next, uh, you know, in, into their next uh, position at Iona now and, and this type of stuff. But there's also a downside to that. And I mean, does that exist anymore? And and uh, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I, I, it's certainly, I don't know if your question is, are guys getting fired quicker? Yes, absolutely. Right. And terribly. Not, not right. And I think, you know, and it's easy for me to, um, uh, to crow now because I'm done. And, uh, but right. the idea is, uh, the, one of the greatest honors, I mean, obviously winning the beating Syracuse, that's number one and winning the NCAA tournament game, but having the court name uh, in my name, uh, is, was unbelievable. I mean, it was wow. so magical and I just, you know, and my whole family was here and the place was full and it, it just, it just couldn't have been better. Uh, and, every, but every time I walk in there, I see Tom Brennan court, and I also see right above it. I'm the only one who sees this 22 and 88 because that was my record in the beginning, 22 and 88. It's unimaginable that you get a court named after me if you're 22 and 88. I mean, it's just unimaginable. And and yet uh, it was, I, I told you this before, I never worried about getting fired. I never worried about getting fired until we got good. Cause then we got a new AD and I, I didn't know what the hell he was thinking, you know, I knew yeah. my time was short, but, but really it, it just, I never thought of it for a minute, but every time I see that, I see those numbers right above it and say, you just thank your lucky stars because um, the kid at Wisconsin got fired after two years, Bo Ryan's kid. Uh, that's Bo Ryan's son. And he goes to Milwaukee green Bay two years. I mean, they're firing guys after three years. I think one of the things about it is fellas is that they're paying guys a lot of money. You know, and yeah, uh, so they're yeah. feeling like, hey, uh, you know, we're, you know, uh, like my my favorite story of that is uh, is the football coach at Wisconsin, Paul, whatever his name was, a football coach in Wisconsin. He was a he played there for several years, uh, played there as a lineman, and he coached there for several years, and um, and he used to wear a sweatshirt, and he had a big round face, and his face was always red. You know, he, he just looked like a Wisconsin guy. He's like, yeah. <laughs> born to be the Wisconsin coach, right? And so. Uh, they fire him and he wore a sweatshirt. That's what I always loved about him. He wore, you know, a football coach, you're supposed to wear a sweatshirt. That's how it works. Right. So anyway, Paul, some Paul Chris, that's what his name was, Paul Chris. So they fired him after four games or three games this year. And the word was they wanted to bring their defensive coordinator in and they didn't want to lose him and all that. So anyway, they fire him after four games. And I am beside myself with anguish. Like, oh, man, this guy, how, what, you know, he's been in a Rose Bowl a couple times. I mean, he's won at West a couple times. He might even won a Big Ten. I don't know. But you're going to fire this guy after four games? And then I saw uh, he will have a $11 million buyout when he leaves. And I was not in anguish any longer. He should have said you should have fired me last year. I got twelve million. You know. Right. So, so I think I think and and I often wonder this, fellas, who sits across the table from an agent or from a coach and says, um, 
you know what? Uh, we want you. Uh, but at any point we don't want you, we'll give you 10 million. Don't worry about it. You know, Right. <laughs> he says, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. That makes sense. You know, so so I don't feel bad for guys to get fired anymore. I really don't, because I know they're all walking out the door with a pocket full of cash and and no fun that's getting right. fired. And yeah. no, well, you know, we've all been in that position. It's, it's no fun. But uh, if you're walking out with that kind of ransom, man, then you did just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm really curious, Coach. I mean, if you follow UVM, if you, if you follow that magical run that you you had which was people followed that from outside of vermont even even how could you not but um i'm i'm curious i mean you you if you're following along you kind of hear these names Coppenrath, sorrentine you mentioned uh eddie benton he's one that i remember growing up as like wow this this guy is he's he's locked in my eyes i'm like this guy is he, he's playing for uvm but he's gonna definitely go to the nba i mean he's he's like the best and that that was those were these players that um we hear the names of, and there's other ones, and uh, Matt Johnson, and and right. uh, Matt Johnson was a great player. You should right. Know. So there's these names, um, but is there anybody? Will you look back now? Maybe it's um, from the UVM chapter, and maybe it's from another chapter. But is there a player that you look back and he he may not have been the one that put up all the points or, or, you know, made all the, the stats happen or hit the shots or whatever it was, but it was a huge part of the mortar and the bricks of, of what happened for you and squeezed every drop out of his potential that, that you just look back and say, this, this guy doesn't get mentioned enough, but he, he did it the right way. i got a wonderful one for you. His name was Grant uh, Anderson. He was from Minnesota. And, um, and I remember when he came in, he was a he was a quarterback in football. He was six seven, but he was a football quarterback, and he was a stud, a stud looking guy, and but very laid back, very laid back kid. And uh, and I remember Boston U had a uh, a, um, a a guy in his position, uh, a three man like him, and and I remember watching film and and saying to my guys, how how are we? Uh, what are we going to do with him? You think Grant Anderson can guard him? There is no way. I said oh, we got to get. You know, we got to get better. I mean, the, the league, the teams in the league are better. We need to get better, you know. And, um, and you know, one of my assistants says, he'll be fine. He'll be fine, you know. I don't think he believed any more than I did. But <laughs> it turns out he was fine. He was really good. And, and again, a different approach, you know. And I remember his mother said to me one time, uh, and you've been to Burlington, so you know this. Uh, she said, you know what he loves to do? Uh, uh, I said, what's that, Mrs. Anderson? She said, in uh, early fall, he loves to go down to the lakefront and look across at the Adirondacks and just see the color and all that. He loves that. So, you know, I need a badass power forward, Mrs. Anderson. <laughs> Not a poet. <laughs> <laughs> Not a poet. <laughs> so anyway, and, and she knew I was kidding, and uh, the whole nine yards, and he was great. And and then and then we we played at Northwestern when he was a sophomore, and we had another kid named Corey Sullivan, and and I didn't deal with parents much, you know. I didn't. That was one thing. You know, a, a scholarship. Let me just say this to you. You know, like this a scholarship. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll <keep> <laughs> So anyway, we go, we go to Northwestern, and I think this, and this is a hell of a story. I think this is going to be our breakout game, breakout game. We're gonna, you know, we haven't won one of those. And Northwestern's low end of the Big Ten. We're pretty good. We got a shot. Osiri was a senior. Uh, Sorrentine was a freshman. So they tap us. No good. They tap us. So with like <laughs> eight minutes to go, eight minutes to go, uh, I call 
Anderson and Sullivan, the other kid, down to the to my bench or to my end of the bench. And I said, I'm going to put you guys back in. And I said, and I want you to know there ain't a chance in hell I'd have put you back in if your parents hadn't driven so far. But we lost anyway, and you didn't do anything to help us. Uh, so I'm going to give you a couple more minutes because your parents have driven a long way. But you need to pick it up. And if you think you're going to play in this program uh, just because your parents drive to the game, then you got another thought coming, okay? You, you got my one moment of weakness. I ain't having any more, you know? Turns out the guy was so good. And, and, and uh, oh, and then the backstory there. Sorrentine was awful. He was awful. So as we find out at a wedding seven years later, he said, Tony Orsieri could drink beer better than anybody I ever saw. And he said, and certainly way better than me. He said, because I was so hungover for that Northwestern game. No. <laughs> I said, I'm going to shoot you. If I had to get this day, I would shoot you. He said, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. He wouldn't let me go home. You know, Tony, Tony O was rolling that night. Oh, just not man. just not the right night, huh? So, oh, so we're playing for God. our first championship, our very first championship. We're playing at Hartford. And I remember walking in, they had a guy named Larry Harrison was their coach. And, um, and uh, I said, uh, he walked me and he said, big game for you, huh? He was kind of a grumpy guy. Big game for you. I said, you know what? There's only a couple of people who can mess it up, and you're one of them. I said, so why don't you just do me a favor and look the other way, okay? We need to win this game. And uh, so anyway, we're going back and forth, and it's a good game. It's a real good game. And um, so right near the end, I don't know, 10, 10 seconds, 12 seconds, something like that, uh, we're up two, and – we get it. We had a shoot. Shot clock. We had a shoot. We missed it, but uh, Grant Anderson got the rebound, and he was kind of casual with it. And a kid from Harford came right up behind him and knocked it away. And it went, but fortunately, it went out of bounds, and it was our ball. All right, so now there's nine seconds to go. We're up two with the ball. So Harrison calls a timeout. Anderson's coming over. I said. What in God's name are you ever thinking about? That ball is like gold, okay? We're playing for we're 10 seconds from a championship. I'm just railing at the guy, right? The other four guys and the rest of the, they're back there. I'm saying, you got to understand how valuable it is. I mean, uh, you know, and then I kind of paused for a second, and he went in this tone, uh, Tim, honest to God. He said, yeah, he stuck right up on me. I really didn't even see him coming. <laughs> <laughs> I said to myself, who's the adult here? Who's the adult in this room, huh? <laughs> I didn't even see him coming. Oh, you poor kid, man. I'm oh, for my it, gosh. <laughs> Oh my there, that, that was a special group of guys I had. They were they were just tremendous, man. And he, and he was one of them. He was he was certainly one of them. I love it. I, I just love those stories. This has just been off the charts. I mean, it's just uh, it's so much joy that that just listening to you and and being able to hear the the ways that you built those bricks and did what you did. It, it just was. Uh, it's just been really special. We do have one final question. This is well, the basketball. Say, you get to that, it's been so meaningful meaningful to talk to you obviously in phil too but you're here you you're not here anymore oh you were on the laker bench the last time i looked they weren't <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, you're somebody that can really appreciate and identify with every single thing that i was talking about so that really is kind of neat and i appreciate you guys for that 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 made my afternoon uh, this is this is the stuff we do this for this is just absolutely beautiful thank you so much uh the final question this is the Basketball Strong Podcast. You can answer this spiritually, technically, but from your gut, from your mind, uh, from your heart, 
What's it mean to you to be basketball strong, coach? Uh, it means that you have uh, got a tremendous love for the game, uh, that you uh, appreciate it. Uh, you realize that the game was never meant for you, never built for you. Uh, the gods of basketball just allowed you to get a small sip, a small taste. And we all know, and I'm stealing uh, from someone here, I read this, uh, that when you're going good, whether it's in uh, in the Madison Square Garden or, or in the Thetford, uh, you know, shoot around, Jim, you, you, when it's going good, it's like there's nothing better in the world. There's nothing that you could do that you could enjoy more. And, uh, and then, you, but you understand, you're just borrowing it. You're just borrowing it for a while. You don't get to keep it. You just borrow it and pass it on and to be basketball strong means you pass it on with love and uh and tremendous respect for it and uh and so thrilled that you had a small as small as you could have peace in it and that don't matter whether you're a coach of vermont or whether you were the 12th man at thetford don't make any difference it's that is what it is and when you walk back when you walk in the gym and you get excited when you see kids shooting jumpers and you get excited uh that's being basketball strong and uh and i thank god that it's been my life and uh, I've been able to stay basketball strong for a long time. Well, you sure have, and you defined it, redefined it and, and keep underlining it. And uh, we'll put that one in the vault. Phil, lock it in there, please. It's locked. Thank you, my boys. It was tremendous. Oh my gosh. I this enjoyed it just, so much. Coach, thank you so, so much. It's uh it's just a pleasure. And uh, we're all better today because of you. Ah, that's very kind. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, and we hope you did, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen to podcasts on. And so you never miss a weekly episode, be sure to subscribe and follow. You can find previous episodes on our show website. That's www.basketballstrongpodcast.com. For more basketball performance resources and nagging injury solutions, follow me on Instagram, at TD Athletes Edge and follow Phil at Phil White Books. Until next week's episode, stay basketball strong. <laughs>